0: One of the things that you sometimes you miss going offline. I think a lot of people they they don't experience this. They they really keep it online, and I think you lose this this really valuable experience where sometimes you have to learn how to mitigate uh, some sort of conflict, or you have to hear some advice that you may not want to hear at the time, and it can be really difficult when you're online and you can kind of put yourself in a space where none of that reaches you yeah. um, to deal with it when it happens. So great example. <laughs> At the boot camp, two different things happened, I remember. One was I, I played Nico and, and Mr. SNK, and he, he was not feeling the game very much, but he was trying to play birdie and trying to enjoy it. Right. I was playing Rashid, and I think one time I just kind of like ran over him with some, some bullshit, and he got really mad, and you could tell he was like, fuck, like, and he was mad, but he, he looked at me real quick and was like, you know, it's not at you, right? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it's fine like i it's, it's all right it's whatever so you learn how like some people get mad and they blow off steam but it's it's hot air it's nothing personal yeah. it's, they're just kind of mad or whatever
1: <laughs>
2: to the Absolute Guard podcast,
3: or the podcast that chronicles the past and present of the fighting game community bring on various perspectives from Arizona. You can find us on Twitch, when we go live, which is typically on Thursdays at Twitch.tv/slash Spiral Series, YouTube with the VOD at YouTube.com/slash Spiral Series, and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify under Absolute Guard. Uh, to all of you watching and listening, we appreciate all the likes and subscribes, the retweets and the tweets. Uh, this is episode eleven. My name is Benny, also known as AK Grandmaster B, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host John, whose Instagram page is 99% his cats, Luna and Stella. How are you doing, John? <laughs> Pretty good.
2: Yeah, I am a late bloomer with Instagram, and I started uh, doing it at, at like, like two months ago, uh, and <laughs> I was like, you know what? I have so many stupid social media accounts, and I don't want to put more of my life out there. So I'm just gonna put all these cat pictures that I take anyway on there. And yeah. it seems to have
3: been a hit so far. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you wanna if you wanna grow your audience on Instagram, I mean, you know, you can do a lot worse influencer. than cats. Yeah. 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 Like at, <laughs> cats and food blogs, those kind of things. Like you could you could definitely get an audience like that.
2: <laughs> yep. And uh, it's kind of cool. Like I I sometimes like. Uh, the cats are like a framing thing for new and exciting things in my life like uh, we bought a steam deck recently and so i took a picture of the cats with the steam deck so anything new and exciting but what is new and
3: exciting with you benny uh i have to say this past week has kind of been all over the place uh sleep's been all over the place work's kind of been all over the place but other than that like i mean i always try to be in good spirits and be positive so don't really kind of let things get me down just kind of you know, one foot after the other, keep moving forward, you know, yeah. stay upbeat. Uh I did get a um what did I get? Oh the uh, I think I posted about that, but yeah, I got a I got a yoke and the throttle setup for flight sims for free Ooh, randomly, fancy. which was which was really freaking cool. So it just turns out that a uh, guy that was giving it away, he uh happened to be from Alaska too. Uh, hence the ak i saw the ak in his email address and i was just like hey does that mean alaska because like that's what i think of and he's like yeah sure enough it does and he just went ahead and like sent it to me i was expecting to pay shipping and he's just like no don't worry about it man and i'm like what so that was pretty cool
2: yeah just random acts of kindness like that he just (laughs) that's super cool yeah
3: I mean I guess that kind of goes with my whole AZ history with like random giveaways too so I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you won the raffle. <laughs> yeah. Right. It That's it funny. happens, man. I don't uh <laughs> it just happens. I don't question it. Yeah,
2: you pay it forward, you be good to the people around you. Um and you know, we, speaking of pe- people who are good to those who are around them, well, we have a, <laughs> a guest in our community from our community today who's well known throughout the NRS scene and throughout the global uh, general fighting game community but all uh, Arizona scene but also the national scene too. Uh who's our guest yeah. today, Benny?
3: Uh, yep, today we're talking to Tanner, aka King Hippo. How are you doing today, Tanner?
0: I'm doing good. Thanks for uh thanks for having me on the show. I um I'm always interested to talk AZ history. Um I think it's a pretty fun scene, so I'm always glad to talk about it and I've been friends with you guys for a long time, so absolutely I had no chance, no choice but to say yes to come on
3: nice yeah when i when we started this thing like you know i'm the guest liaison per se and like when it came to just thinking of like the variety of people in our scene like you were just one somebody that stood out to me too and it was funny because john was asking me he's just like hey we should have tanner on sometime and i was just like i actually scheduled him to come on i'm like you know three weeks from now he's like oh really i was like yeah i was like i already got it sorted out."
2: Yeah, just to uh, say, give the audience a little bit of a high level of your accolades here is you are a top NRS player, uh, both locally and uh, nationally, uh, For so for games like Mortal Kombat and Injustice, and we'll go into deeper on that, but you're also one of the uh, stronger fighting game community commentators, or not commentators, but like someone who has like commentary on the social going, goings on it, the scene. I, I exist
0: in the commentariat, I would say, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <That's
2: the way laughs> I, I, I guess influencer would be the word, but even then... Oh,
0: don't for god's sake no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i don't know we go that far but uh,
0: i mean yeah we yeah we'll get into it but yeah we we can talk about how that has kind of that came to be and where it stands now and all it's yeah. very interesting to talk
2: about it. and i first Ooh. met you i first met you when uh you were playing street fighter 4 i think at, at, when we were we just met like randomly at a tournament i think right? I'm, I'm
0: positive i remember the first time and i, if I can indulge you because i thought oh. about that
2: okay i'm curious
0: so this is about, I'm going to say 2011 or maybe late 2010. Okay. I was a lurker on the sure You Can Arizona forum for a long time. Sure. Yeah. So I could put character mains to, to names. And then mm. from there, I, so what I did was I think it was one night I remember I was at uh, Arnold's house, Spolvita, yeah. local Tekken player. We used to graciously open up his place for people to play all sorts of games, and I would I went there one night, and I remember I would sit back and I would watch, and I'd watch who was playing casuals, and I'd look at who was playing. So I saw someone was playing Ibuki, and someone was playing Dudley, and I'm like, oh, that's Smoogie and Brain Pipe were in the <laughs> forum, so How I went and introduced it, myself, and I said, hi, are you smoogie? And you're like,
3: yeah. I was like, are you? <laughs>
0: And I just had to explain, like, oh, I lurk on the forums a lot, and I know you guys play, and you were like, oh, that's cool, you know, and whatever. And that was, like, the first time I remember seeing a lot of you guys. So, like, um, Scott, Dana, yeah. yourself, Arnold, uh, basically everybody that was, and at the time, who was really playing actively was there. So, that was the first time I remember meeting. And then, okay, we just run into each other tournaments and all that stuff after that.
2: Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember a ton of our first meeting, but I do remember our conversations at tournaments as if like, cause by that point we were already just like talking and conversational. Like, yeah. We were already buddies, but like, yeah, like, I don't even remember the, that's, that's crazy well, to me. That, like, and it's yeah. hard to be like, Hey, I, I, I know you from the internet.
0: I know. Yeah, that's what, I felt super awkward. Like I didn't know how to because I sound like a stalker. Like I'm like, yeah, yeah, I absolutely know you randomly from this forum that I watch all the time. But on the flip side, <laughs> I've
2: been in that scenario before, too, where it's like, oh, you know me. Am I And like I think Saber actually had that same sensation on the previous on a previous episode of ours. You said like, yeah, when people recognize you, it's less so of like, who who are you and more like. How do you recognize me? How do? Why? Like, yeah. yeah. Like, am I that? Am I a big deal or something? Yeah. Like, yeah. And that he had question. that
0: viral clip that went, you know, that was like, I think when he was, was he playing Valle, I think. And it yeah, was he did. Yeah. So I imagine that, you know, also helps a lot. But for me, it was just more like, I remember, and I remember, I thought I burned the bridge on accident. Uh, there was, and I, I don't know if you remember this. This is really funny uh, looking yeah. back. So it was during uh umvc3 had like just come out so it came out i think in like maybe november of 2011 if i remember right Uh it was like the same year that the first game came out and when phoenix wright first came out uh, he had this gimmick where um as as, when you got him into objection mode all of his assists became invulnerable and he had this one where he'd walk forward with the papers and it would wall bounce you just this ridiculous assist that was totally invincible and yep on the forums, I it, it, I think it got patched within a couple weeks. It didn't last very long. They
2: did. I'm so far. And I remember out.
0: you played Zero and somebody and Phoenix, and your goal was to get Phoenix to be objection mode and then do yep. that assist. And on the forums, I said, well, I don't know how powerful it really was. All I know is there's one local player that used it, and it seemed pretty dumb. And then I got a DM from you that was like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I can't believe you <laughs> go off talking about this.
2: And I did? Like, oh, oh, my God. That. And then, like, I got a DM
0: maybe an hour later that was like, "Dude, I'm so sorry, I didn't. I'm just sorry." I was like, "No, dude, just
2: <laughs> okay." I was about to so start yeah. apologizing for that too. Wow, yeah. oh my No, gosh. no, it was funny. That's funny. It was like, It's That's one of funny. those
0: things where the the it was it was a fresh wound because I think it was like the day of the nerf coming out. So it was like if you're obviously if you were really excited about like playing Phoenix, right? You just got your hopes and dreams dashed because that was like the one thing he was good at. That that was a, like,
2: just, yeah, no, totally. Like he was, yeah, he was. That was around (laughs) the time when I was start I was learning how to play top tier and not like learning how to play like how to play the fighting game, but more like learning how to deal with the stigma from top tier and learning how to deal with patches and nerfs and stuff when they feel targeted at you and you take them personally and all the other BS. Yeah, and I think at the time,
0: yeah, I think at the time too, like the prevailing kind of topic was that like zero had been hurt really bad because he got changed a lot between the first game in ultimate and really he just got like laterally changed well no he got better he got better better. i was too dumb to notice it
2: yeah i was too dumb to notice.
0: (laughs) but i think like they changed i think something about how like his blaster was they changed it a little bit i think it used to be like a full-on hard knockdown and they were like nah yep and there's some other stuff that was kind of dumb but what they really just changed was how stupid like the 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 simple stuff was and then the other stuff like i think he could cancel his buster into the the lightning which is how he got the lightning loop to begin with Right, right. Um, And so, yeah, it was just a kind of a funny, like, uh, that's, you know, sometimes you talk too much. And I mean, I was guilty of that. And we'll get into that as we, I definitely, when I was younger, I would, I think I'm very guilty of, like, I'm kind of outspoken sometimes. And I just, <laughs> I, th- I say things I shouldn't, and I look dumb, and then I just have to be like, yeah, I was being dumb, sorry.
2: You know, I, I, gotta, yeah. I gotta go a little meta here, and, like, because... <laughs> You know, when we talk, we talk with so many different guests on the podcast and a lot of times the questions come up like, you know, what are we doing this for and who are we doing this for? And What am
1: I fighting for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: That too. And I, I want to say that a lot of this also has to do with like for for John, uh, I want to like I, it's retrospective on Points in my life as in the, as a fighting game player, and so like those those growth moments that we you just mentioned, Tanner, about like mm-hmm. you know when learning how to how to deal with salt or learning how to deal with the the wound being fresh and whatnot, and doing it at a younger age when you know they were fiery and stuff like that. It's it's kind of mm-hmm. nice to kind of go back and reflect on that in a medium like this.
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, the other thing is like um, so like I started out playing Super Street Fighter Four. And I started, I was playing like HD remix and four and super four. And then I I started playing Marvel and that's when I jumped into Mortal Kombat. So it's like 2011. So it's like right after Marvel three came out, I was playing Mortal Kombat on the side, but I really got into more of the Mortal Kombat side. And one of the things you have to learn um, as I eventually was able to unlock, like how to be good at that game and be one of the better players, there does come. Um, a recognition that you have to understand that you, when you're one of the better players, um, sometimes the way you say things and the way you communicate after, especially if you win or something can like really, you can have the unintended effect of saying something that kind of sounds dickish. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it's like you, you have to really, and I wasn't very careful of this for a long time. Sometimes be careful when you have people respect you as a player, but then it's like, okay, also you have this kind of response. in responsibility of like, now your words carry a different meaning. And I think for a long time, I would just sidestep. That's, you know, I'd ignore that. I'd ignore that. And, um you know, you grow, you just, you're young and you grow. And that's part of being, you know, uh, I think a sign of a good growth is that you can recognize that, hey, maybe I have this responsibility. I didn't realize it before and now I do. And so I can learn from there.
3: Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, speaking of growth and being young, let's kind of take it back here. So, your, your gamer we? tag. Yeah, your gamer tag, King Hippo. For those that don't know, King Hippo you know, is a character in Mike Tyson's Punch Out in the very original NES. So, give us a little bit of origin behind, like when that started. Like, uh, you know, whether that's something you started or something bestowed upon you, and kind of like, what's the origin of that tag for you?
0: Uh, physical resemblance.
1: <laughs> I'm just, kidding. I'm
0: just kidding. It's not that. Um, no, the truth is, it's a pretty boring truth. So, when I was entering tournaments for the first time, so this would have been like your online Xbox Live ran together tournaments on GameFAQs for Street Fighter HD Remix. You just used the tag that you had in my tag because I got an Xbox and like, I got my own Xbox. I want to say in like 2010, maybe 2009. And it was one of those years that the Punch-Out for Wii came out. And uh, I loved it a lot. I played it all the time. And I think that was just on the brain. And I decided, well, I got to pick a name now. And King Hippo, well, King Hippo's taken king of 42 and there you go and there's the tag <laughs> and that's just stuck for years i just never thought about changing it and I, I people seem to people laugh when i say it so you know it always gets a, a kind of a reaction so i just was like oh i don't need to change this
3: yeah well sometimes you know i mean johns changed his name i've i've yeah he was Smooji,
0: which was yep. ibuki's spin kick move and yes, then i was. think he they get kind of we affectionately like Mooji affectionately like that's what yep. it was and I yeah. think now you just go by like Portageon, john I think, or John. Yeah. yeah. Which is yeah. funny too. I like that.
2: I got tired of introducing myself as John. So.
0: Yeah. Also just saying smoochie, like it's like, okay, I got to explain what that means. And I'm just,
2: yeah. Yep. What's what's interesting about King Hippo is that like, I, I didn't know you got it from the Wii version because King Hippo yeah. is it's like, it has the old school street cred from, from those old school yeah. games too. Well, I'm right? not that old. Like, so old school yeah. punch yeah. Out. But <laughs> You you almost get that plus your your air of maturity and your eloquence also kind of give that impression. You, you kind of get OG cred somehow. Like like I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> well, I
0: think yeah, the, I've learned you know as you grow up that if you can you know speak eloquently or try to and you can kind of make it sound like you're pretty confident in your opinions, um, people will listen to you and uh, <laughs> they'll respect you a lot more. So I, I learned that from years of being a forum warrior and arguing about tier lists and stuff that uh, as long as you kind of project an aura of, wow, this guy sounds really like he knows what he's talking about. Like he's really experienced. They'll believe that you're like, you know, they're like, how are you not from like 1933 or whatever? And it's just like, (laughs) I I don't know. Like, it's just not because like they'll, they'll, you know, I have friends that are older than me and they'll talk about like, oh, you know, you remember this NES game? I'm like, no, like when I was (laughs) born, I was already at super Nintendo. Like (laughs) now I've gone back. And so I can do that. But like, for the most part, if you just casually reference it, I'm like, (laughs)
3: that's funny remember
0: this movie from the 80s no (laughs) but yeah i I understand that yeah it's um i think it said like i said you if you learn how to project yourself and and be confident in your opinions and never let yourself be swayed by like because i always have this logic and this has gone this goes into like my blog later we'll talk about but like my philosophy now after years and years of ironing out is always like be as most logically consistent as you can be, but also having to be interpret, being able, open to interpreting new truths that you hear, and and figuring out how that can fit into a worldview, and maybe go from there. Like I, don't, you don't want to be totally inflexible, you don't want to be totally flexible, but you have to be somewhere in a nice yeah. compensatory yeah. place where you can you can take all that information. So like, if you're, if you think you're right about like your character, I, I usually would like, don't let people who, you know, they'll just, Oh, they don't really know that much. So they'll be like, well, they, they're probably pretty bad or they're probably broken or something. Just, you yeah. know, you know what you know, and just take in what people say and kind of internalize it and figure out the best way. Cause it's not coming from, from nowhere. A lot of times it right, may right. just not be the most informed. So it's like, sometimes you just have to decipher what is true, what isn't true. And that is part of my, like my argumentation style and like how I like to write my blog. And how i like to think about you know video games and things like that
2: okay yeah yeah kind of break it down into pieces think about your audience right exactly yeah all right well let's keep going through your origin story here so mm-hmm. when when did you get started playing fighting games uh you kind of mentioned uh, you, we we talked about it briefly earlier about street super street fighter 4 but can we get some dates in there too
0: yeah so i like the when i started taking like games seriously or like mm-hmm. i would think about it on a better a uh, higher level than just you know playing it Was definitely I had the um, the Capcom classes collection volume two for Xbox, and if you remember, those have a tutorial by the the great David Serlin, aka David Sirloin, Yeah, and they have like a tutorial where he explains like high level, you know, thinking about like controlling space and all this stuff. And then there's wacky like negative edge stuff mixed in that I never internalized. I still don't know how to do it to this day. But you know, the the basic stuff I always thought was really interesting and like how he broke it down and. That's when, you know, you find his website. And since he designed HD Remix, of course, he's got articles on all that stuff. Um, Saved his cat right there. I saw that. Yep. (laughs) And so uh, it was like you could learn how to, like, talk about that stuff at a level beyond just I like it. And I thought that was really cool. So obviously, I was all in on Street Fighter 4 Hype. I was watching the videos from, like, you know, those Togeki videos where they'd have Daigo playing and, you know, all this stuff. I was watching all that. And then I played HD Remix when it came out. And I had a controller, a Street, a Soul Calibur 4 Mad Cats arcade controller that I had.
2: Oh, those are good like, ones. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was not bad. I actually liked it. And then, uh, you know, 2009 or 2000, yeah, 2009, about February or so, Street Fighter 4 comes out. So, of course, I'm all in on that. I played it all the time. Right in a super. That came out. I didn't start going to, like, tournaments and stuff that were, like, offline. I would say 2010 was when I started. Now, I was still in high school, so it was a little tough for me. Mm-hmm. But... I remember I was at Devastation 2010, which was a much smaller event than what was to follow. And we'll probably talk about that. But it was like a more low-key affair. But there was still like, you know, Mike Ross was there, Gutex, and, um, you know, other people that were like known. So it was pretty cool. And then uh, I think after that, I went to like a few tournaments, but I didn't really like, I wasn't like a presence or anything. I wasn't any good. So it's like no one would probably recognize me if I was there. Uh, oh, and then I started,
2: quick. uh, one thing I learned about devastation today from somebody else, and I just kind of wanted to inject it in the podcast for history's sake is, uh, devastation was one of the first, uh, tournaments that was streamed. Uh, yes. 2010, 2010, I believe
0: was streamed where it had, um, uh, DJ, DJ wheat. wheat. Yeah. DJ wheat. Yeah. And, uh, I remember that was the famous where Marn, I think, I think Marn won if I remember right.
2: I think I so.
0: That, but that, yeah, that's what I remember anyway. So yeah, it was a, uh, like, a historically it's definitely a prominent event
2: yeah like that yeah.
0: is one to think about it was on um, justin
2: tv as well not justin twitch. Yeah, tv, justin TV. Yeah. Yeah. yep because so, yep. dj
0: wheat was a justin tv guy yep along with like destiny and a few others that were real big justin tv advocates and that became obviously twitch and so on mm. and so forth so yeah that was definitely a seminal event for that thing um i just remember i was playing casuals a lot um and i was playing gen at the time so i kind of oh, got wow. a crash course and like um had to get your ass kicked, and that was great. <laughs> um There was a local player I for, I can't remember his name for the life of me, but he was playing Blanca, and it wasn't Louis Scumbag. It was somebody else, but he was playing Blanca, just kicking the shit out of me. But he also he gave me a lot of friendly advice. He was like, "Yeah, that's cool. You know, you play again. You know, you don't see him a lot, and blah blah blah." So it was that was like a nice introduction to like, offline is not that
1: scary. You know, it's
0: as long as, yeah. as you get over the jitters or whatever. And then yeah. I would say by 2011, now that I was out of high school. And the other help thing that helped a lot was my brother and his friends were really into Marvel 3 and Mortal Kombat. So then I had a way to like travel, and it was like an excuse to like, oh, let's go hang out with my brother and his friends, and blah, blah, blah. And we'd go out to the tournaments, with the to Devastation, yeah. go to local scenes. We had the Randbats that were at um, – this is 67th and Peoria, if I remember right. And there was like a little land center there, right by the McDonald's.
2: Oh, and they're the ones run by Keith then, those Randbats, right?
0: I think they were Keith. Yeah, I think it was Keith. Yeah, okay, okay. If I remember right.
2: from Euphoria Gaming.
0: From Euphoria Gaming, yeah, I was at that land center. And um I was playing Mortal Kombat there and I would play Marvel Three. And I so Marvel I remember that was big was I <laughs> This is a great story. Uh I my brother saw an ad for Walmart, um a local Walmart was having a Marvel Three tournament and the winner got a big TV. So I was like, what? i yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'll take it. No problem. Oh, wow. And I assumed, and I and I rightfully assumed they're like, well, you can't take your arcade controller there or whatever. So I practiced all night on a three sixty controller. I knew all my combos I could hit. I only played I played Chris, Trish, and Wesker at the time. So it was like they were very work. simple characters. Yeah. yeah. So it was like I didn't have any trouble, you know, going to controller. So I went to the tournament. And sure enough, I'm kicking ass. I'm beating all these guys and it's no problem. And then we get to the finals, and it's a guy who had an arcade stick and he got told that he couldn't use it. So he was kind of upset. And then <laughs> the first thing that happens, we sit down on the set. First thing he does, is he quits out to the main menu. So it unlocks Akuma, Shenko, Sentinel and Taskmaster. He picks Sentinel. He picks Magneto. And he picks uh, Storm. And he proceeds <laughs> to beat the ever loving piss out of me. I barely touched him. He would oh. just Magneto. And he, did, he knew how to do the the ROM loops. And he was doing the the hyper-grav loops and all this shit. The DLC glitch with Sentinel, and I was just, what the fuck is this? I just got <laughs> destroyed, and I shook his hand, and I was upset. And uh, uh, that 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 and that little boy who nobody liked turned out to be it was Dan. It was Dan Amitsur. Dan that was Dan.
2: Okay, I was yeah. like
0: just and 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 I knew. And as as I was talking, people were like, "Oh yeah, he's." And as I knew over the years, I got to know Dan. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's really talented at any game. Predator naturally talented, almost like he will pay. He'll know what's good. He'll be pretty good at it. And anytime you run him a tournament, he's, a, he's an excellent gatekeeper. And that was sort of my introduction to like, oh, this is the real shit. Like, this is what you got to prepare for. Yep. So then I practiced up and I rearranged my team. So I was using Chris Hagar and Spencer was my anchor. Okay. And so I wiped off the tears from my face after I got obliterated by Dan. <laughs> And I went to a devastation tournament at a comic book store that was on, I think 43rd in Glendale. So it's like, there's like a big super target there right across the bridge there. There's like a little comic book shop. I don't know if it's still there, but uh, the, I played there and I was doing pretty good. I beat my brother's friend who was usually better than me. So I was feeling good. Ran up against the Phoenix player of all things. I was like, you know, I knew Phoenix was cheap, but I persevered. The first game I was able to snap her in and kill her. Nice. The second game, phoenix got me the last game phoenix got me but the clock ran out on dark phoenix so it was it was Ooh. phoenix who's still annoying and dark yeah, phoenix no but without the x factor a little less intimidating now i was playing spencer so i'm zipping around everywhere i can't get hit but i'm like i i don't know where i, I i'm running out of time i don't know what to do he came down to that dive kick on top of me i mash the bionic out of car, ah. head, <laughs> and it won and it won Nice. And I was so happy, and that was the first tournament I ever won, and I was super happy. Shook hands with the guy. He goes, "I'm gonna get, to, I'm gonna tag you back." And I was like, "I'm sure you will," because I got pretty lucky. And that <laughs> was Angelic or Armando.
2: Oh, really? He was yeah. playing Phoenix.
0: He was playing Phoenix. Yeah, I don't. I yeah, it didn't last very long after that. But and uh, there was no Shuma yet. It was Dante Dormammu and Phoenix, if I remember right. Yeah. Um. So. Okay. Um, so yeah, that was like the first tournament I remember. And then from there I just started attending pretty regularly. But I really, like I said, at that time I was playing Mortal Kombat and I kind of made a choice at that point, like Mortal Kombat or Marvel. Sure. Probably gonna go with Mortal Kombat. Cause the thing about the Mortal Kombat guys that was great for me was it was like the exact opposite of the general scene. All the Mortal Kombat players were on the west side of town.
1: Mm-hmm. Whereas the yeah. Street Fighter,
0: everybody's on the east side of town, like every good player and all that stuff, you know. So it was like
1: yeah,
0: get a lot of practice and stuff like that it was kind of hard for me. So Sure. It was really nice for the West Side players. They lived like it was like kind of on like Thunderbird near like I want to say like near seventy fifth or something like that. It was so it was pretty close. And you know there was a, these two twins, Mark and Jeremy Camps. Yep, um, they went them. by Morty Seinfeld and Sal eighty seven, who had a lot of equipment. They had a lot of technical savvy, and they really liked Mortal Kombat. So it was like they got to they would do a very good job of like going to there was this place called Mana Works. It was on. 43rd and Thunderbird, I believe right across from ASU West.
3: Okay. It was like a little okay.
0: trading card game shop and they would, they were, they were friendly with the owner and they would hook up with Frank uh, Harrelson, AZHP a- who was just on yeah. the show. Yeah. They'd hook up with him a lot to have tournaments because he liked Mortal Kombat. And so did Jedi Rob, Rob Chirini who's ran devastation. So you'd have devastation events. You'd have AZHP a- events. Then you'd have the Mark and Jeremy events. So there was plenty of places to play Mortal Kombat. There was plenty of time to get experience. And then at the time, after Evo, so that was when I started playing a lot more. Was after Evo, um, we had a player, local player Alex Reyes, and he went by Detroit Bolin, and he did really good at Evo. Yeah. He did really good, and he was a really good player. So it was like we kind of had this really good player, and I think Juicebox did pretty well at MK9 that year. So he was playing. So it was just there was, you know, it was a time to be a good scene. It was the time to, you know, you're like you're playing with good players, pretty decent people. Um, it's small, so you always get you don't feel like you get lost in the shuffle or whatever. So yeah. they would host at their apartment we'd go over there we'd play and i would say like at that time like the cornerstones of it were the camps brothers detroit ballin alex and then there was other players this guy named asa Sporbert. he went by asamo he would come all the time uh there was a guy in tucson named brandon hildenbrandt and he went by b Wiz. he would play when he could but he was a really strong player and then i joined in after that and i was like we It was us five or so playing a lot all the time. And we'd get new people to come in every now and again. But for the most part, I would say it was pretty consistently us because the tournaments started to show up because we couldn't get enough people to come in. You know, we would get like 10, 12 people or whatever. And uh, so that was when I just went full bore because I was in GC- I was at GCC at the time. So it was like I wasn't taking college too seriously yet. So I'd play all the time, MK9. Learned it up and down all the time. You know, Cabal on hitbox definitely mark had a hitbox <laughs> we played with it it was cheap Alex played yeah. cabal so we knew how cheap cabal was so there's no surprises there I played Kenshi so I'm not you know I don't I can't throw any stones I played a really cheap character too uh-huh. and uh, we played it all the time and uh eventually it got I my whole thing was I could always get third so I, I could get third but I couldn't beat mark I could definitely couldn't beat Alex and there okay. was one time in the summer of 2012. That was also, 2012 was the first time I traveled to a tournament. It was final round 2012. Uh, Punk of shit tournament, but it was fun. Um, (laughs) World Combat was ran all day Sunday. A bizarre logistical choice for a 100-plus man tournament. And it went to the very, very late night, and it was not very good. But um, Alex uh, Alex and Mark had both gotten top eight at Winter Brawl, and I think Alex got top eight at final round. So it was like, he was still really good, so we always had to. We always knew we had good players so finally in the summer 2012 one tournament i beat alex with jacks i played Jax specifically we at the time not to get into a lot of mortal kombat 11 lore but like people thought Jax did really good against cabal so i learned how to play jacks i did end up beating him oh, in nice. winners i lost in losers but i won oh. in winners for sure oh, okay <laughs> and then i lost to mark again i was like god yeah i think i just need to go back to kenshi and then by the time like the end of that year. I would say I was now, I could confidently, we would go to this hookah lounge that was on like greenway and greenway and like 75th or something like that. It was like this little hookah lounge next to an Arby's. Okay. And uh, I won a tournament there for the first time I used, uh, I used Luke Kang a lot and then I lose Kenshi and I ended up winning that tournament. I finally beat Mark. And then after that, it was like, I couldn't lose. Like it was like, I finally found, I unlocked the code. And now to be fair, Alex wasn't going to a lot of those tournaments. So I, I would have definitely lost to him. He was a lot better player than I was, but it was like, I finally got into this groove, but I couldn't replicate it at a national level. Like I went to SoCal regionals 2013. I got fucking destroyed and it was embarrassing. And it was like, and Alex got top eight and I was like, Oh man, you know, it's like, you always feel like, damn, you're so far behind. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah, especially when it's your it's, it's your group of training partners and you're like you're coming up together, right? And he, you're constantly comparing your progress with one another.
0: He beat the best Kenshi player at the time, a guy named Pick of the Hut?
2: Oh, uh, And okay. he beat him
0: because we played all the time. I know yeah. that for a fact, right? Yeah.
1: So no, it's like you, you feel
0: like, damn, like maybe I should be able to do that. Now, 2013 was interesting because that was when so we've been hosting, you know, tournaments at it was key. With that was again with Keith and uh, Rob and those guys that run the those kind of tournaments. So we would go to UAT sometimes, but we really 2013 was a big changing point where now um has who was uh, a generous guy who lived in South Phoenix oh, right. and he had uh he had a big house and yep. he loved to host games and a lot of the like kind of local randbats kind of changed to go to his house. Yep. So like yep. every game under the sun was there and I had I had pitched because he had a i can't remember what happened there was like king of fighters 13 he was gonna run but then nobody showed up so he was mad so he dropped it and he wanted to put another game in there and i lobbied him personally can we get Mortal Kombat okay. there yeah because i'll get people to come in and he did and he listened so he we came up there we had the last kind of set of ran bats at the before injustice came out was at the has house which was fun but like i said i had to learn some harsh lessons about okay um now that you're seen as like a top player, you gotta learn how to not be an asshole when you say things. <laughs> things like that. But I I you know, I I did my best. And then when Injustice came out, has was all in on injustice. So he
2: was. He was. Yeah. yeah. So for
0: a long time, every casual session was at Haz's house for injustice. Um, I the first the first tournament for injustice was hilarious because I was playing Superman and I knew he was busted. He was busted beyond all compare. And I looked at Alex and he was like, You playing Superman? It's like I'm definitely playing Superman. He's like, Yeah, that's right, you better. <laughs> so we, we both knew we were both playing Superman. And now I was, I was riding high because at the launch event, which was at the Scottsdale fashion square, Microsoft store, rest in peace. Yeah. um It was the final event for devastation. Also rest in peace. Uh, Rob was moving on to, I think a job with, I think it was Activision Blizzard at the time. Oh, wow. That's so he, cool. he had one last tournament and it was a launch event for injustice. Now injustice had a demo that came out. So everyone was mostly playing the three characters that were there, which was Batman, Wonder Woman, or Lex Luthor. Luckily no one picked Superman. I just picked Batman and I ended, it was first to one only. So I could, you know, fraud my way out. And I ended up beating <laughs> Alex and the tournament and I won an Xbox and a copy of the game for it. So I was riding high. I'm like, this is going to be my game. You know, I want to beat everybody. Of course, that first tournament, Alex picks Superman and he fucking destroys me again. I get second. I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> I'm never going to do this. And then Alex fortunately stopped coming out. So, you know, I didn't have to learn how to get to his level and, I switched Injustice. I played Green Lantern after I played Superman, and um, I just thought, you know, I was playing on all cylinders. The game made sense to me. It was a different game than MK, but it was kind of the same in some ways. So um, that was when. So I became friends with a local guy named Evan. He went by Four x Four Lobo, and he always wanted. To, he was down to travel and stuff. So we would actually go to Wednesday night fights for Injustice. Um uh, oh. we travel all the way there. So that's like a six hour drive or whatever it was. Yeah. We are
2: hearing about that, yeah.
0: And then we'd get there, we'd play in this tournament, and you know, because it was injustice, it was one of the lower end games, we you know, it would it would take a long time because people didn't run through it as fast. We would be done at like two AM time to go back our home, all the way back, six hour drive at two a.m. You know? <laughs> and it sucks. I mean, we would get yeah. home at like a seven or eight in the morning and just absolutely knackered, but it was a good experience. I got to meet a lot of great guys out there. Emperor Theo from SoCal, uh, MF Slayer, um, guys like that. I actually saw uh, Nick and John when they moved out there as part of uh, uh, to be at uh, SoCal. I would see them. It wasn't I didn't know them, but I would see them. So it was like, oh, nice,
1: nice. yeah, out yeah. There.
0: Um, and that's when I I switched to playing Deathstroke uh, in that game because I thought he was really good. He used to be thought of as broken when the game first came out, and he got some nerfs. Yeah. And it was like. You know, people didn't think he was that good anymore, but I I still believed. And I didn't have a great showing at Wednesday Night Fights when I debuted him. But first major outside tournament I traveled to was SoCal Regionals 2014. I ended up getting eighth. I tied for seventh, and it was a big deal. And I beat uh, M.S. Slayer, who had placed at Evo. I placed above a lot of Evo placers. So that was like a big shining. That's still to this day the best accomplishment I ever did. And uh, if you want to talk about how it is nice to be part of a scene, I'll tell you two stories that involve SoCal Regionals. So SoCal Regionals 2013. This is where I got destroyed playing Kenshi, and I felt bad. Right. My one good win was that in Losers, I beat Chris G. Oh. Now Chris G played MK9 pretty frequently.
1: Yeah. Um
0: was still good at it. I mean, it was definitely a side game, but he wasn't a no, he was no slouch at it. So at
1: yeah, the time,
0: to... yeah, at the he played reptile. And at the time, my mentality was still a little bit more it wasn't great. And my mentality was like, well, it doesn't matter. I beat Chris G. It's whatever. I don't care. But again, reality kind of hits you like a brick. Armando tapped me on the shoulder and was like, "Dude, you just beat Chris G." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah," and I was like, e- "I was sad because I'm like, dude, I'm I'm, lose- I'm barely beating Chris G. Like I'm not good." High <laughs> expectations for yourself, I didn't say yeah. that, but that was my mindset. And Armando yeah. was like, "Dude, dude, you beat Chris G. That was really good. Like, dude, he's he's really good."
3: Yeah, yeah. Really good. The- I was gonna say Chris G. Like, um, I played MK9. Very briefly, but I played mm. it at two thousand in at Evo two thousand eleven. That was my first Evo. Okay, yeah. yeah, and I lost to him, and he ended up getting fifth. So I was, yeah, he did. know, I didn't he feel was. so bad. Yeah, I didn't feel now, bad because by twenty thirteen, like,
0: yeah. he definitely wasn't the force he would have been in like twenty eleven and twenty twelve. But like he was, it was a hard fought match. I should have definitely taken that as like that's definitely a big win. I didn't, but like Armando being there and saying like, dude, you, that was really good. Yeah, I was like, oh, that that feels a little bit better. So then twenty fourteen. Not only am I with guys now, so now the in Injustice, the scene expanded a lot. So now we have younger guys. We had a guy named Matthew that was there. We had um this kid named Alex Wynn who was there who was really uh, you know, you know, very energetic and excitable. We basically Injustice felt like it was like despite everyone from MK11 still playing or MK9 still playing, Injustice yeah. was such a different game. It attracted a different brand of people. So it was like you got this new crew, you're still there from the old guard hanging in there. And then when I was for top eight, which was very early. It was like maybe 8 30 or whatever. So, uh, you know, and a lot of people were late and stuff like that. So I showed up there. I'm ready to play. And before I, I get up to the main stage where you're getting ready to play, I turn around. I hear someone call my name. I turn around and there's Rika Reedman. And in the crowd, I see Scott. I think Abe was there and like two other players. I can't remember who, but it was like a little contingent. And I'm like, dude, you got this. You got this, man. Yeah, I didn't ask. I didn't ask. They were just there. Yeah. And like the first time I won a game, everyone in the crowd, all five of them jumped right up to start cheering. I lost that match, but it did feel really good that there was, you know, I didn't have to say anything.
1: I think that's kind of like
0: nobody gave a shit about injustice. I know they didn't and I don't expect them to, but it was like, yeah, it didn't matter. Like they were all there.
2: I, I think yeah. that's a big, big part of our scene is that like we you know like we don't always play the same games competitively with each other but the fact that we all practice the same in the same area you know we play we have this, the yes. same friendship groups we have the same we all uh sometimes we play in the same tournaments together even if we play different games like mm-hmm. it's still a community right and it, at least right. my evo experience it's like it's a game of just trying to find all the different arizona players and trying to go support them you know
0: i looked hard for you at evo this year john me too
2: man yeah i yeah. looked for you too i found Latif. But I didn't. If did I do, yeah. I found
0: um Kyle and Aaron Spurlock. I ran into them. So
2: I didn't I see lucky. them at all, dude. Yeah, no, I was
0: lucky. <laughs> I it was the the uh, Saturday night they were wrapping up, and I passed by the KOF area, and I saw Aaron. Therefore, Kyle's not too far behind.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: So it was like it was that was good, but yeah, it definitely is a, a game of like finding. And I think that SCR was like really good for Arizona.
2: Yeah, that's think, the one they did uh, well in like, cross tech I think eight.
0: Well. Rock and Scott all got top eight at, at cross tech or something like that. It was nuts. Yeah, um, big shout outs across to second too. I I got to play in that when I was like on hiatus from like playing MK and playing injustice for a little while and that scene as small as it was, it was really great. Um, I would travel with Jelani Rocknin. He was a real dedicated player. So we went out we would go out to this is when TGZ started up. So we were having matches there and Abe was very welcoming and, and we wanted more people to play. And he was, a, he was an asshole and he played gin and Akuma and it was really annoying, <laughs> but he was very open. He was open to giving tips. He wanted everybody to get better, all this stuff. I actually was able to go out to the last, um, casuals gathering at arcade in a box in Tucson with Jelani and we played cross deck in there. And so I never had, I never got to see that when it was like going and running. So it was nice to see that little bit of Arizona history. If you guys don't know, arcade in a box was like, uh, it was like a local arcade. I think they did stick work and customization yeah. and stuff like that. So it ended up closing shop in I think 2013, and uh, they had one last big hurrah event, and it was really nice, you know, to see the Tucson guys, also all cool people, and it was just like a nice little gathering. My time playing cross second because, like I said, again, you go out and it's it's not so scary, like you know, everybody's real, you know, they want to they want you to get better, and so sometimes people have different ways of of activating that, but you know, it is what it is, and I enjoyed my time there. And then the real big thing that happened in 2013 was like. All this drama with Has, I it was, we stopped playing in Justice's house. I'll admit it was my fault. Um, oh, I said goofy shit I shouldn't have said. Uh, basically, what happened was I would get frustrated because I was trying really hard to be better, and our scene was small. So it's like you, when you get time to play, you have to play all the time. Yeah, and a big part of Has this thing, and it's again, it's no, it's not a big deal. He just liked to, he liked to party, and he liked to, you know, he liked to do the things people do at parties, which is, you know, have a good time. And yeah. I would Our get team. annoyed because I'm a pretty straight edge guy and, you know, I just didn't want to. And I and I think one time I got upset because the guy who was my ride was definitely feeling after effects a little bit. And I think I that led to me. I was on some podcast and I made I made a, a scathing remark about like, I just wish, you know, I could play the games without everybody getting, you know, intoxicated or whatever, you know. And it was an offhand remark and I, he took it pretty personally. And I, like, I feel bad. Like I did feel bad that i said that and that caused him and and you know he just was like i'm not hosting casual anymore so it's like fuck i did again you watch your mouth you know you say some things you, you need to learn how to not do that and be an adult yeah but ultimately um tgz you know the gaming zone out in tempe they started hosting these all these tournaments and it has been consistent for almost 10 years now that they're yeah. just a good hub for everybody to come and play at which it, before as far as i understand we were always like switching like Sometimes it'd be local business. Sometimes it'd be somebody's house. We didn't really have like a, a real steady. This is where we all play that would last more than like a year or a year and a half. Yeah. Or whatever. And then the gaming zone guys who are also super into the tournaments themselves. It was like, that was a boon. And, and then it was like, this is a perfect place. So, yeah so before,
2: before before we get into tgz real quick if i could inject mm-hmm. some commentary on what it was like to see that the previous era which is like the has era and and yeah the, you guys have definitely more
0: experience than well, i do
2: yeah one thing is that i got to see uh you like uh like we, we heard the perspective heard it from your perspective like your history right but i i did get to I was active during that same time, which is different than a lot of the guests on the podcast. And true, yeah. I got to see what you got to, like what your experience was like from my perspective. And it looked like, yeah, you were, you were really neat. Like you were really deep with this group, this MK group, and you were practicing. But I also want to say that like you, we saw you everywhere. You were in every game scene. You were playing every game out there. You're supporting every scene. So cross Tekken is a good example of one, but I saw you playing Marvel. I saw you playing four. I saw you playing, a lot of different games that I play as well. And so like mm-hmm. that's how that's how a lot of these friendships I think started cuz I didn't really yeah. play MK very much, but you were cross-pollinating everything. <laughs> yeah, so great. I was
0: always I really cared the games. I really liked the games. So like and especially even now if there's like a new game and I'm pretty into it, I'll show up for the launch tournament at least, you know, I'll try and play. So like just some side tours that I took during all those years. I played SoCalber 5 pretty extensively for a while. We had one of our yeah. local players, a guy named Chase. He is one of the better SoCal players in the nation. Um, and a lot of people don't know that. Um, he's very, very good. And I think he got, like, he went to the, like, at Frosty Faustings, or whatever, he got, like, third or fourth or something like that.
1: This is this Kinetic a good player. Clash, right?
0: Kinetic Clash, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. Kinetic Clash. Yeah. Very, very good player. And so it was like, you have him, you have Dr. Dog or Brian Dawson, he's pretty experienced 3D player. We had yeah. this guy named Ray Avalis. Uh, he went by KPC, I think. Uh-huh. He's a really experienced player, really cool guy. So it was like, you yeah, have this little scene of Soul Calibur players. So I learned how to play Soul Calibur. Um, <laughs> I, I played uh, Killer Instinct. I really got into Killer Instinct in like 2014 or so. And I went to, I remember I went and played and I went 02. And I was like, hmm, I think I need to reestablish what I'm doing here. I talked with my friend Dizzy, a guy named Aaron, who is now he's a big shot uh, designer at NetherRealm Studios. But back then he was just a pretty good player. Yeah. He liked playing Killer Instinct a lot. We played TJ Combo. So we, you know, he taught me all these tricks and stuff. Then I went back and I won the fucking thing and I didn't drop a game and it was like, okay, now I see what I was doing wrong. So playing killer instinct was really fun. Cause I got to play with Alejandro and George. Yeah. Um, Macho punk. He's a good guy. Like, like Anthos, Steve, Steve Gannon, great Steve guy. Gannon. Yeah. I learned, I, he, Steve. so Steve is a big also like get me out of my bubble or whatever. Like, Steve at one point wanted to do something for Killer Instinct really fun. And I had just beat Macho Punk, who had been winning all the Ran bats. I beat him pretty convincingly in winners.
1: Yeah. And he's
0: like, that doesn't happen very often. And he's like, I think if he ran it back, he might actually win. And I was like, well, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. So at the end game bar, which I don't know if still is there in Tempe, but they wanted to have this it's thing, fun. something somewhat, yeah, whatever. And he wanted to have this big event. And so what he did was him and Nick or Macho Punk, they shot a video together where steve was hogan hulk hogan and
2: yeah macho
0: punk had the macho man glasses and bandana and they like cut a promo on me challenging me for this money match and i just thought it was hilarious and i was like yeah i'm definitely down so we <laughs> went to the end game bar and then they had the live mic, and he was dressed and nick was or steve was dressed as hogan and was cutting promos on the mic he gave me the mic i gave him my rick flair you know that i'm the man <laughs> That <laughs> was good. I, I dropped the elbow on my hoodie. And so we just had a great time. Uh I ended up winning the the money match 5-0. It was a pretty oh, wow. good.
2: Oh wow. I, okay.
0: Uh Macho Punk had learned one trick around one of the mix-ups I did, but once I adjusted, it it was it did not go well. Got it. And then we had our rubber match was at we had a round robin tournament at TGZ. Now, when they say round robin, what they meant is you play every single person seven times. And I was Wait, like, "What? Yeah, I, I didn't, I don't th- I was like, I don't think that's how round round works." And he was like, "Well, we don't have that many people, so we just figured we'd do that." Like, it <laughs> take like a really long time. He's like, course. "No, it'd be fine. No, it'd be fine." <laughs> and so, like, best of seven against like every person there, and it's like, it was, it was, dude, it was brutal. I think it was like eight hours. But in the end, yeah. I ended up, I was up by like I think two games against Macho Punk, who he did really good. I knew if I could win most of my other matches we had a rubber match he was up 3-0 I came back won four games in a row great match great match I was really excited and then I ended up winning I think I won like 250 bucks oh nice um so yeah I I really enjoyed playing Killer Instinct with like Alejandro and those guys they were super fun to be around yeah it's a fun game Killer Instinct's a really unique game there's no game like it so um I think also playing all those games gives you a lot of experience and like This is how you learn how to look for good stuff. This is how you get some sort of like general knowledge of like how these games work so that when it comes out, when a new game comes out, you can go there. And to proof of of that, in my opinion, was that for MKX Injustice 2, I won the launch tournaments because I have experience. And even though MKX, I wasn't a huge fan of, I knew the game well enough at that point to, to pick a good strategy and just take it all the way to the win. Same with Injustice 2, even though we had great new players. So like in MKX, I took a lot of time off and new players like Dimitri. Uh, yep. I can't remember what his tag is. Um, Sammy uh, Flappy. Yep. He, he was a young kid. He was super good. Um, and just a, a bunch of other players had just sprouted up out of nowhere. And they were really good. Jordan,
2: and I think, that, would be another Jordan,
0: one. Jordan was playing. Yeah, he's playing MKX. He was good. I was like, damn all these guys are good now. Like, like I'm just used to, you know, everyone's kind of newer and, you know, you can you can get some wins here and there. But now it's like, damn, these guys are all good. So it was nice to to go up against some of those younger guys and be able to still pull it out in the end. And then in Street Fighter V, I went to the last I think I got like seventh using Fong.
1: Who had oh, yeah, you did play available. Fong. He had yeah. not been
0: available. Um, so that was my strategy. He had not been available in the pre-games. So it was like yeah. he was like the only character nobody knew what was going on right so right, like, right. Well, shit, i can steal some wins doing that and i did but it was like you know for street fighter i don't usually do that well like uh, it's a game i play but i'm not really like super into it and then when we did the when john i think hosted like the boot camp series where it was like you have a bunch of stations and people play there and if they lose they go down a station and go up a station i was pretty consistently in like the first yeah. station you were yeah and yeah. uh that was also a good experience of like uh one of the things that you sometimes you miss going offline i think a lot of people. They they don't experience this. They they really keep it online. And I think you lose this this really valuable experience where sometimes you have to learn how to mitigate uh some sort of conflict or you have to hear some advice that you may not want to hear at the time. And it can be really difficult when you're online and you can kind of put yourself in a space where none of that reaches you. Yeah. Um to deal with it when it happens. So great example <laughs> at the boot camp, two different things happen. I remember one was I I played Nico and, and Mr. SNK and he was not feeling the game very much but he was trying to play birdie and trying to enjoy it right I was playing Rashid and I think one time I just kind of like ran over him with some some bullshit and he got really mad and you could tell he was like fuck like and he was mad but he he looked at me real quick and was like you know it's not at you right it's fine like it's it's all right it's whatever so you learn how like some people get mad and they blow off steam but it's it's hot air it's nothing personal it's they're just kind of mad or whatever
2: Nico's, Nico's pretty good at yeah he's good at at letting you know too like that yeah he is like he'll he'll be, of it, right? he'll be
0: very quick of like the banter yeah. and stuff like you know always like just, I'm just kidding or whatever so yeah. that was you know that's something and another thing that funny thing that happened there was there was another thing where uh, I was I was waiting for my turn to play and John you know walked by and was like hey man how you doing and I was like man I'm not doing great and he was like why and I said uh, well the problem is he goes I'm always in the first you know I'm in the first um group and i'm getting my ass kicked by all those guys so it was like it was john guerrero use name was uh he played rue and he was really strong player um and he was kicking my ass and then i would play jeff and jeff and i would kind of go back and forth and i was playing dan he'd kick my ass but then i'd always win the elimination game
2: so i stayed (laughs) in the first group yep
0: and i was just telling john like man i'm getting my ass kicked like i really should just probably go to the second group that's probably where i get some And John looked at me and goes, Tanner, do you you understand that, like, by winning in the first group, you are, in fact, one of the better players here. So you do deserve to be there regardless of how much you're losing, right? Like, do you understand what that He's Like, do you understand what you're saying? I was like, yeah, I get kind of get what you're saying. So it was like, you need this weird, like, your your ego takes this beating, but then somebody has to set you right to go, like, dude, what are you talking about? You're in the first group. Yeah, What are you complaining about? (laughs) So it was like, you need that sometimes. You need this kind of little kick to someone to be like, Yeah. Keep keep a track of
2: your perspective. Right. Yeah. And in
0: person you get that check because people, you know, it's, it's like you, you can just ignore online. You can turn it off or whatever in person, someone would come up to you and just say that you kind of have to deal with it. And like I said, sometimes it can be uh, a little humiliating. Sometimes it can be annoying, but like, it's very valuable. It's very good thing to learn how to to mitigate that sort of thing and like conflict and, oh, you played a guy and they get real mad and they challenge you to money match or whatever. And then (laughs) you learn how to like navigate that like exchange or whatever. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a skill sorely lacking. I think in some people that they can't, you know, it's, they, they they go online and then they get really upset and they get into these toxic patterns where they expect, Oh, I should like, I got me. I should be beating Chris G. Why? Why? He's a good player. You should just take the, take the W, you know? Yeah. But you know, like I said, you can get into these patterns where that you, you only hang out in an online group. So one of the problems I had, was all my friends online in when I played MK 11 or MK nine. And then later in justice, it was like a group of like all top dudes. So it was like 16 bit pig of the hut, Emperor Theo, all these guys who were like winning tournaments or coming close. And it was like, y- your perspective is way skewed. You have to learn how to like, take it down a notch. Like you just, because you lose to this person doesn't mean you're trash. Cause that's how they talk. They're just talking because they know they have the experience and they're better, but you don't have to hold yourself to that standard it it can can you know mess with your head a little bit
1: so i I learned
0: yeah so it was it's very humbling to like you go in a local scene and you know you get tested and sometimes you don't always win or whatever but you kind of end up to me you're it's more indicative of where you're probably actually at than like going to a major and you get like oh you get like really low and you're like oh man i suck but then it's like you go to your local (laughs) you're like maybe it's not that maybe there's a little bit you know there's luck involved there's all sorts of stuff that's involved in a tournament that you can't get too hung up on
2: matchups right. the fact that it's a Match it's not, yeah it, like someone someone has advantage in the matchup no matter what out of yeah. the gates right so right. so like, yeah you might so, just get a bad draw <laughs> so take that that first group i was in
0: so i'm fong and i'm playing against two rius uh armika and a nash i'm losing all the time like of course so it was like to me it was it, your advice made perfect sense I, and, and I remember I asked John. I was John was kicking my ass. I think I beat him like once or twice. And I was like, John, what do you think I should do better in this match? He goes, Honestly, man, I think you should pick a different character. Like I don't know what you're doing. And I was mad <laughs> at, at first. I was like, Come on, man! Like you got have some advice. Like I'm gonna pick a different character. But then two weeks later, I came back with Rashid and I'm just I'm I'm just beating dudes I, in the tournament. Yeah. We the mini tournament we had. I ended up beating Mike or, or Luminaire who beat me in Winners. So I was feeling good, and I'm like. I think Rashid's pretty damn good. Maybe I should. Maybe he was right. And I'm like, damn it, he was right. Uh, like, because <laughs> you want to be like, no, I was right the first time. But it was like, no, John was probably right. He was probably right. Yeah. So yeah, all that stuff is it's it's when you have a local scene that again is like very open and and everybody wants to chat with each other and we all talk to matchups and stuff. And it's like, and also the other thing about the local scene is it's is now I I don't have much in the way of like examining everything, but for me especially in the last like 10 years or so relatively drama free. I mean, we don't have, you know, the bad eggs that come in. I mean, we have guys, you know, the people get, you know, people get mad they get in arguments or whatever, but like, as far as like, this is going to tear the whole thing apart because two guys can't, you know, amicably separate their differences or whatever.
2: Yeah. It just, it hadn't
0: happened. You know,
2: do you, do you ever wonder if that's because we, it, because the stakes were higher back then because the, the, the conflicts were that big or did they just seem that big because we were younger? you know
0: um so i always think the problem before was that the, it, it's the pettiness of small differences right yeah like it was like someone didn't think a game was good that then caused drama but it was like how stupid is that right like okay but they don't yeah. fight four you know and they they're yeah. not going to go to the tournament so it's not like you have to worry like oh they're going to be there and mock the game or whatever yeah i think you're right in that it, it all it seems bigger than it is but like sometimes that's all that matters i mean luckily yeah. we don't have like you know we haven't had a lot of really big like Oh, here's a theft issue, you know, or something like that, Where that, yeah. act, I mean, it's happened, but yeah. I, you know, it doesn't happen that often anymore. Um, the TGZ guys seem like they like us there. Yeah. We've, they've never had a problem. And um, I think we respect that and that's good. And, you know, it fosters more people to start. Like I know um Dragon Ninja, he yeah. started TOing when he was there a lot and he got really good at it. He's very, very good at it.
2: Yes. And so, it. yeah,
0: it was like, he he learned how to do it there. Rob always comes in and does stuff there. Abe was doing it there for a while before he retired too. It was like, it was the perfect, it's the perfect place. I mean, everybody's super cool and welcoming and w- they're willing to let you learn and, and run a tournament as long as you don't throw trash on the floor or whatever. And it's like, that's the easiest thing in the world.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's, yeah, I I can't say enough how lucky we are that like the Arizona scene is as pretty open as it is. Now, of course, there might be little subcules of drama in smaller games that I don't know about. So if I'm if I'm ignoring that, I'm not meaning to, but like, I just don't see it.
3: Sure. Yeah. Oh, so it's like yeah, I, said, I, just, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah I just like, don't I was, it. yeah, I was gonna say like um yeah, because I got I got here in 2012 and then I basically went to one bet and then I think I went to maybe one or two other things. Uh and I was like at Hazes and then my work schedule like it didn't allow me to have weekends off. So like yeah, I was no, kinda out of the scene. Yeah, I was out of the scene for like I don't know, maybe a year and a half, maybe two years. So that kind of that time where you were talking about like where you know where you were starting or where things were uh, going on in Hazes, like yeah yeah I wasn't I wasn't involved in the scene or see, saw any of that stuff like I'd see the drama like in the in the Facebook group and mm-hmm. here and there but yeah. I just yeah I did, you know so I didn't I don't know a lot of the details about uh, all that kind of stuff that you guys were talking about but you know I'd heard about it I'd heard you know kind of put pieces together from like different things that I'd heard. Yeah. I that, like I that, that, said,
0: it's 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 older and plus it's more personal because you're in somebody's house. Yeah. I mean, that's why when I, what I said what I said, because if you think about it, how insulting, you know, this guy's opening his house where his children live, mm-hmm. his wife is. And I'm just saying this thing kind of blithely about it. And like, you know, they're going to take it personally. And I understand yeah. why. And it makes total sense. But when you have a, a neutral business where not only do the guys, not only do they accept you there, you're not like this weird hanger on that they luckily can get money from. Those guys actively care and want to foster a better, you know, community for everybody that, that helps, you know?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I we try
2: not to, to use. Something? Oh yeah. John, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. am say It was Benny's. Benny. Go ahead, Benny.
3: No, no, you were going to say something. Oh,
2: uh, <laughs> shoot. It, it, it had to do with the, with TGZ in particular. Um, okay. but yeah, they're, they're, they're good guys. I think they just in general, they've been, a home for our scene for so long and i think that the fact that when you purchase a, a pass for the lounge it, it it puts you on even ground compared to like hey i'm going over to this person's house and i may know them very well or i may not know them very well but if i do know mm. them very well i'm going to get special treatment and you have this click crowd stuff versus oh sure yeah. a business oh, no. establishment. i'm giving some money to them and it's, yeah. a, it's a transaction right it's a transaction yeah. the neutral
0: transaction to a. a third party who is an, un- an uninterested in and it de- doesn't I run am. the tournaments you yeah. know so it's like yeah definitely it's it's been great and i um yeah i just can't say enough about how tgz really being yeah. a really grounding pot for the past like 10 years has been really helpful probably and because they host smash and stuff like that too so it's not it's not even like
2: it's restricted to like just certain games yeah, yeah, yeah it, if yeah, you can that'd... get
0: enough people there you can go there
2: and you have a tournament and it's fine you know yeah smash yeah. is there is there They're big money makers. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, if we could, if we could go uh, in in the interest of the NRS scene, learning more about that. So, you talked about about, a little bit about MKX. Did we talk about Injustice 2 yet? Or, well, so
0: it's it's because I'm just not as connected through that time. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Opening tournament. And then afterwards, we would have casuals at TGZ on occasion. Yeah. But, you know, the truth is I wasn't, you know, I had just graduated or I was I was in the middle of like graduating. So it was like I was trying to find a job or whatever. And so I wasn't as plugged in as I might have been. But a lot of the players that were there, like Dimitri got, he got like ninth at Evo or something like that for Injustice 2. Really, really good run for him. I didn't so know was that. Really yeah, it was, it was cl- like in 20, I think it was the 2018 one. So like the second year. But yeah, he got pretty, if not, ninth He got pretty damn close. God damn. Okay. Uh, yeah, he did really good for himself there and then um
2: I just got Sammy. to meet Dimitri in person a couple weeks ago, so that's Oh, really? That's really okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Um Sammy whenever he would play, uh yeah. he was always really good. Um so yeah, th- and then uh Mark Mark uh another Mark, not Mark Camps. He is from Tucson, <laughs> he played the games a lot. He's real good. And so I think just the injustice too by that time a lot of us had whittled out. Like a lot of the old guard is just, you know, they they, they had kids they grew up you know whatever sure and so like i was like one of the last hangers on and so i felt like a responsibility um you know to be there for like you know there's guys like there's a guy named christian he was really good dimitri sammy i felt like i i should participate even though i don't you know the big in like the the group chat and we're posting memes to each other I, i'm not really i'm that's not really my bag like i don't like doing that sure so it's yeah. like the younger kids i just don't like i don't On that level, I'm just like, I'm just not a big group chat. Like, let's meet, let's talk online constantly. Cause I'm like, the problem is when you get online and in a group chat stuff, you would start saying things that you probably wouldn't say you'd get checked in person. Yeah. And I never want that to happen because then I forget my place. So it's like, I try to, I just stick to the offline stuff, you know, and we'll, you know, it's not like a problem. Like we'll see each other. It's fine. You
2: have, you have a different outlet for, for putting, spicy stuff on the internet absolutely yeah my
0: yeah my outlet is not venting purse privately to friends i will just say it in public (laughs) and then i can do that and it's fine and it's like i'll take the repercussions or whatever but like i because you know sometimes you get in group chats and like there's like you find out things about people that you're like i don't why do i know this i don't want to know this and i now i can't i can't think the same way so it's like i gotta i gotta move out of here you know i gotta move on to something else here did you you find that
2: that got exacerbated with the pandemic
0: so again, by the pandemic, I had sort of excised myself from a lot of like the groups and stuff like that. So like
2: MK11, oh, okay. I played with
0: those guys and stuff, but I wasn't in the group chats or anything like that. Um, like I said, I just feel like at a point I'll fall back into the same pattern I got when during Injustice where I was in group chats and stuff. And I had this mentality of like, oh, everybody sucks. And, I'm, you know, we're actually the only good people. And, and it just I, I remember that headspace. And I didn't I didn't to be honest, I didn't like it very much. So I try not to, I try to, you know, the only way you're going to get out of that situation is you got to take yourself out of it. So group chats and stuff. I try to, to stay away from, you know, I just, if I'm in one, I'll, I'll put it on mute. And I'll check it occasionally. But for the most part, you know, I just, um, I'd rather, you know, just talk to people and, you know, occasionally talk if I need to talk to someone, I'll talk to them, but just being in the group or whatever, I don't feel like, and I don't feel like if I go away for a long time and I come back, nobody's going to know who I am or whatever. Like if I'm yeah. not in a group, I, it doesn't matter. I go to a tournament. I say hi to John. I say hi to Scott. I say hi to Aaron and Kyle. Like I'll say hi to everybody, and yeah. it's like nothing ever happened. Like it doesn't matter that it's been a long time or whatever. So I don't feel like I need to be like, oh, if I'm I'm not relevant if I'm not in the group chat or I'm missing out or something like that. I just, yeah, it's a it's a different mentality than a lot of people. I understand that it might come across yeah. a little weird, but like I I swear I'm not antisocial.
2: No, it's funny because because this the... fucking
0: podcast I've talked like an hour, so it's like. You know, <laughs>
2: Because of the group chat mentality like that, you know, that was the substitute for the for the offline community for these past couple of years. But like in reality, it's the solution to it is to go offline anyway, like like to get away from the toxicity of group chats. It's to go and hang out with the group in person. And then no one's as big of it. Yeah, touch grass. Yeah,
3: (laughs) touch grass. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Well, the thing about like Mortal Kombat and stuff, too, was because we were such a small group, a lot of times it was just too small to ever really have tournaments. Yeah. So we were always talking in group chats anyways. And like I said, it just a lot of that time I, I just, you know, it's not that I don't look back on it fondly, but I don't like the 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 way I personally was during that time when and to me I, I put that with, oh, I'm just talking online a lot. I'm not actually seeing these people enough to check myself or and nobody knows what you know I'm comfortable with. Like if you're joking with me and i and you say something some some things I'm not gonna take very nicely, and I would in person I can just say that to you and it's not awkward. I can yeah. take you aside and be like hey look you know don't don't say that but in person i you know i gotta in front of the whole chat i gotta you know if i have to say something it's it's awkward and i just yeah i just yeah. like it better yeah, in person. it's the
2: nico say. thing right when when nico had had a had a outburst and then he said you know that's not you right that doesn't translate over into group chat very it well.
0: doesn't it doesn't very well no yeah that's yeah. true too uh, and like a lot of those guys i have you know, they're, they're a little bit more trolly online. So like guys like Nick and John and and Nico to an extent, like they're a little more trolly online. They don't take it very serious. But sometimes the tone doesn't, you know, it doesn't translate. So it's like, I know those guys in person, they're super cool or whatever, but like get online. And I just, sometimes I'm in a bad mood and I look at it and I interpret it in the worst, least charitable way. And then I get better about nothing and it's dumb. (laughs) And like I said, it's just bad. It's just bad. I I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to do that. So I just don't.
3: Yeah. So instead... It's funny talk about. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Benny. <laughs> no, I was gonna say it's it funny you mentioned the small tournaments for Mortal Kombat because, like, fun fact, that was the only fighting game tournament I won in Alaska was a five-person Mortal, Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Kombat nine tournament. Oh, that's fun.
1: I was yeah. I was the
3: only person with an arcade stick, and so oh, really? like, there was a, there was a ton of pressure. It was like at a play-in trade. And I was just like, I, you know, I didn't know how many people to expect there. And then I walk in and I'm like, I'm the only one that needs to sit in the chair because they used to have like TVs up in the, you know, above eye level. like Play trade. Yeah, if
0: I remember. Yeah, they would yeah. Have yeah.
3: so I would I had to ask for a chair and I'd be sitting there like looking up at these TVs. And like I had all this pressure on me because I was like, man, I'm the only one here with an arcade stick. But that was like the only fighting game tournament I ever won. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a, it was it's a five mind. person. Mortal sounds- <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs>
3: Now, yeah, this is but, interesting.
0: I always played Mortal Kombat on a, contro- a gamepad. So like for Injustice, when I did my best, people would look at me funny because I had an Xbox 360 gamepad. And I had to tell them, like, this is the best thing ever. Trust me. And they'd be like, no, it's not. Like, have you ever played one? And I'm like, I play it all the time. What are you talking about? But I've, I've experimented with every type of controller, too. Like, I've had the arcades. St- I've been the only person there with an arcade stick sometimes. But a lot of times I use the gamepad. I've used the hitbox or leverless controllers. So I've used pretty much everything under the sun. So I can definitely identify right. with that. <laughs> You're having that pressure of like, I'm the only one with a sophisticated
2: controller here. I gotta really do my work here. Oh man, yeah. we got so much to ask you, but like we got I gotta ask you about the hit, hitbox stuff too. But Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. In the interest yeah. of segueing into the the next topic here is um well that's that's that is my segue. That's the yeah. meta. <laughs> that, you have segwayed. So, yeah, we have consider yeah. yourself segwayed. But uh the like i am curious about the uh, thems fighting words um, mm, yeah the the blog that you are i i, w- I would call you famous for it honestly <laughs> <laughs> well
0: i don't know about that well well so um that started because like it's like in 2017 after i graduated i i got my degree for secondary education and it just it did work out like none of the jobs i was looking for i would get down i would get smacked smacked down for all of them the conditions kept getting worse um, Arizona is not very friendly to public education. So yeah. it wasn't like this amazing job opportunity. So I was like, I kind of started dialing down how much I was looking for jobs and teaching. And then lo and behold, five years later, here we are. And so what I started doing, my downtime was I always wanted to do like a blog or something like that. And because a lot of the people, when I was growing up on the internet, um, unlike, you know, these heathens that would go on like 4chan or go on <laughs> message boards and stuff like that. I was you know, on fighting game forums, arguing about tier lists, or I was reading blogs of like, famous political you know political contrib- contributors or like entertainment blogs or something like that yeah. so i always wanted to do something like that and i always felt like okay well what do i want to talk about so when i first started it it was talking about like i always would get because mk the thing about the mk scene too is because it was so i don't want to say new because obviously people played mortal Com- older mortal Kombat games in tournaments somewhere so it's i'm hesitant to say new but like with mortal kombat nine it was like you had this kind of renewed interest and more large scale tournaments than ever but because it's a very young scene with no institutions and the people who have played the longest are frankly crazy and uh, you know it's like you you kind of have this real influx of people who want to take advantage of that so one of the biggest things I remember happening was uh, Triforce after he had you know gotten done being laughed out of the scene with his fucking power glove in Street Fighter (laughs) (laughs) he was like hey over to NRS guys and and himself in there, and nobody they're y'all kids, they don't know, you know, they don't know what's what, so of course, they all listen to him like he's a Pied Piper. And uh, you know, he's got dreams of glory and the esports desk and the power glove, and it's like, um, uh, you know, he's full of shit, and so it's was like somebody's gonna call him out on this stuff. So, I wanted to do like a blog where I was talking about like famous fiascos that I remember being a part of. So, I started with like Devastation 2011, which again, uh, although I it was a tournament that was too good to be true. And it was, it was like $20 entry and you got entry into everything for free. And then it turned out to be a really big tournament that couldn't afford to pay people and it wasn't run very good. And so I just remember that tournament. So I talked about that. I talked about, there was this famous thing. I don't know. You can read the blog back again, but like there was this thing called VXG in the Caribbean. It was a tournament. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. That.
1: Yep. And it it's was a beach. A very, yeah. Yeah. That was that
0: whole thing. And like yep. Triforce was like a big part of that. And there was this guy and he always said it was, it was God, it's been so long. I can't remember his name, but he would always say he would always introduce himself as your boy name. So it, he never just said, this is my name, Rolando. He would always say this is your oh. boy, Rolando. And everyone yep. would refer to him as your boy, Rolando. Your boy
3: like, <laughs> you yep.
0: My boy, I don't know this guy, yep. but it was like, he was obviously very shady and this whole tournament just didn't seem like it was worth a hill of beans. And of course people went there, didn't end up getting paid again. Naturally. It was really weird. It was, like, it was like the Firefest of FGC stuff. It was Firefest 10 years before Firefest, if you get my drift. And so it was yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's a Caribbean location. The whole idea is that it's like, oh, it's the beach. It's like a vacation. Yeah. Gutex is going to be there, you know, Lord Tex and Mike Ross and all stuff. And it's like, then you get there and it's like, eh, we're not going to pay you. And this tournament's run by, you know, literally being run by committee where you're going to back room and you've pulled in Yipes and other community dignitaries and be like okay how do we how do we run this fucking tournament they just want <laughs> to like yeah it's like that's yeah, yeah that's, so it's like it was like that and i started writing about stuff like that but then i started drifting more and more into like okay what are you know as i was starting to, to exit my mentality of like i'm always in the group chats and like i have this mentality that's not healthy need to be yeah. better about it it was like i'm what i see in common with a lot of like the way people talk how, the, how the, the, the greater communities operate all together and the problems they keep running into that can't be solved. And it's like, I think you need sometimes a third party to kind of put that on paper and just illuminate for you. Like, here's an example of like, you know, when women don't want to be in fighting games, I'm like, let's take an example of this lady who felt the need to post her her passport on the website to prove that she wasn't trans. You know, it's like, do you think that kind of stuff might affect like why people don't want to be involved in the shit? So it was like, I wanted to point out things like that, where I would see patterns of behavior that I thought were like harmful or could lead to long-term things. And I, damn it, I hate being right. You know, I do, but unfortunately <laughs> I've been proven right time and time again. Like I was one of the first people to call out Echo Fox for being very clearly didn't seem like they had a plan really didn't seem like they had anything going on. And lo and behold, a year later, they're, they're They were out of business within like a year and a half. So like I, when you see the pattern so many times you can call them it's not i'm not nostradamus here i'm just looking at patterns of behavior and noticing okay this is gonna all go up in flames and you're gonna feel stupid later but i'm telling you here i can see it maybe need to figure out how we keep getting there exit out of that it seems like uh,
2: almost it's gone from a like a a review almost like where you were going to tournaments and then reviewing your experience to. well yeah i would do
0: that sometimes yeah
2: but it's almost turned into like an investigative journalism kind of deal um,
0: so, okay. So like, I can tell you when that turn happened for sure. So I was just doing my normal thing. I, some, some of the blogs would hit, they'd yeah. go viral on Twitter or whatever, but you know, for the most part it was pretty calm. I was never quiet about everything that happened with infiltration. Um I always was tweeting yeah. about it. And I, I, I thought the whole, the way the whole thing went down, not just like a condemnful of infiltration's behavior, which I certainly do. um, But the way that it was handled by both Panda, by the, all the tournaments and stuff I felt was a big, it was crappy. Like it, it wasn't good. And it's the same thing's going to happen again. So I was trying to point out and I've updated the blog now. Originally it was very more heavily on the, like the moral weight side of it. Mm-hmm. But I, I started to listen cause I used to, to chastise the people that would say this, but really I realized the problem is we're having this, like we're talking about a situation that could have been handled by people in charge. But then the problem is we get, we get bogged down in this meta argument of like, not only did he do it, but is it, is it bad and it's like well i don't want to have that that's not what we're talking about like first of all and also they're easily answerable questions like did he do it yes yes he did i there's proof everywhere like there's no ifs ands or buts about it so why are we arguing about this
2: but that, all, that was well, part of we, your blog i said you had to go and find a lot of that i stuff, had to right? like i
0: had to do it yeah. yeah so it was like i did the legwork to figure out i i learned i sought out korean people who could translate it for me and it was like, I figured out like, yeah, pretty much it's, it's pretty much exactly as it went down and whether or not you agree that it should have been leaked in the first place, which, Hey, I'll, I'll be honest. The fact that it came out at all was definitely someone intentionally trying to hurt his standing Yeah, and maybe that's wrong, but you know what? The information came out, we got to act on it no matter what. And yeah. the, the problem was the response to act on it was to have Panda do an investigation, but really only consult with his lawyers. So they just had to put out a document that was very lawyerly and very much on only listening to his side. And, and then he got to have his own public statement. And then Capcom was like, well, he decided to sit out for a year. And that's, that's probably good enough. I don't think we need to do anything more. And then the TOS were all like, well, that's good enough for me too. And I always felt like, well, why don't you just tack on a year after that? Because yeah, oh, you want to sit out for a year. That's fine. But also you got to pay the piper from us. Because if it's not yeah. coming from us, there's no, how, to, yeah. what's, yeah. What's the punishment? Because the, I don't think the punishment should be the big focus, but if there's none, and yeah. so if there is none, you don't set an example, right? right? You don't set exactly. like the precedent for when you do something like this, that has like real big outside consequences and you didn't tell anybody about it. And we just don't feel comfortable with that. I think you should learn, you know, take the time off, you know, fix your yes. fix whatever problems you got and we're not going to judge you or anything. We're going to give you a year off. Just take the year, just take another year because, and, but don't do it yourself. To, to do it yourself is to be like, well, I don't really care what anybody says, but I think I'm just going to take a year off because I feel it's the right thing to do. It's like giving yeah. him the verbal, you know, it's giving him like the the moral W, which yeah. is like, why? The guy doesn't deserve it. But this yeah. is
2: this is step going back to the morals thing. This, like you're talking about step three, about what do we do about it, but we can't get people to agree on step one, which is like, did, I, did it happen? I, well, did yeah, it, you're on page 392. Right?
0: Yeah, we're on page 392. And they're like, I didn't have any pages to begin with. Yeah, because like the problem I was noticing in all the feedback was a lot of people were like, wow, did that really happen? Like, they, they didn't even know, like, because the way the Panda document was so lawyerly, you didn't really get a sense of yes or no. It, they were always like, well, it's more complicated than that, which is true. But at the same time, if the simple question is yes or no, you didn't get the answer. So I just wanted to lay out like, well, it is a yes. And the reason why you think so is probably this, 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 and that, where it's like very in between the lines, like, and then there's a bunch of other like, you know, circumstantial evidence that yes, might speak to somebody's character, but it doesn't really answer the question of yes or no. And so I felt by ignoring that it was like, well, we're not even having the same discussion until we get past that. We can't, we can't move on to the, to the, the discussion of the actual hard thing. So that's when it was like, I really enjoyed doing that. Obviously I can speak to the fact that it got really big. It blew up big time. Um, honest, I mean, arguably this might sound cocky, but I would honestly say, the reason why infiltration is banned now probably has to do with what I wrote.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I would say that. Yeah. You that's, have to take now, out a lot.
0: Here's the other thing. Here's the real talk. You have to take the good and the bad with that. Right. Right. So if you didn't want infiltration to be in tournaments, you wanted to band. Hey, the, the claps from that, the people saying, Hey, you did a really good thing. Great. Yeah. But you also have to understand that that's written in digital ink that can't get erased. And when he says, Hey, I've been suicidal because of this stuff, that's on you. And you have to and you have to deal with that personally and know what you're doing. So that that, that is to say, I don't take this stuff lightly, I take yeah. it seriously, and I get really frustrated when people don't take it seriously, and it becomes a team sports thing of like, yeah, fuck that guy, get him out of here, blah blah blah. It's not you're not helping, okay. Like, this is a human being, treat him like a human being. I know he did some real bad stuff. I agree with you first and foremost. But we're never going to get anywhere if you don't set a precedent and you just it's it's a good thing that it happened. And they'll go, well, I didn't say to kill himself. But if he did, you know, I'm not you know, it's not that big a deal. And it's like, how could you say that about somebody? You know, it's like you have to you have to be very careful not to lose the humanity in the process. So for me, it was like I wanted to take my blog in a direction of like now I'm doing things where I'm really investigating something and I'm trying to get get people to see to open their eyes to something. And then they can have hopefully have a conversation about that. So another big one I did was there was this this team called Noble Gaming that was really involved in, like, the NRS side of things. They always seemed shady to me, but I never really got conclusive of, like, how how much was true, how much wasn't true. I was able to get a hold of not only their, at the time, their team manager who had, had transferred over to, like, the new regime, but also the former CEO. I talked to the new CEO, And I basically got the story of what went down and how that organization went up in flames because a guy who was a a jackass, like just a bro gamer who ran this thing and his main employee was a a 16-year-old kid. And of course, it's run like exactly what you would imagine. And then the problem is it gets bought up by this new company. And then I can see their only motive in mind is the profit. So of course, right after that article goes up, not two weeks later, I see that Noble has basically ingratiated itself into a South American overwatch or South American rocket league organization and has fired all of its overwatch players, most of its other players. And again, it, you, you point out the behavior in my article. I was like, I kind of feel like the same thing is going to happen again, because it's not like, it's not like it's any better. It's the same thing, but it's different. It's the level of not seriousness, but in a different, more like, like, here's how we can make money.
2: Yeah. Versus how
0: is this just my personal play thing? They're both of them are bad. So that, and it always pays off. Like I always see people talk about it. It seems to get results. People seem to like it. So I'm going to keep doing it as much as I can. And hopefully that builds my profile. Like to say that where I can be taken, you know, maybe kind of seriously, Just as an independent person who's blogging and has something to say. And Hey, maybe people take it seriously. And like I said, with the infiltration thing, again, I'll take the credit and say that, yeah, I think it probably had a big thing to do. I don't agree with how it ended up in the end with the Evo thing. I think that was real rotten, but it got results. So to me, it's like, whatever you might say about me, you know, I could say, you know, you said famous. I don't know if I like that term, but there's some sort of influence there. And right. I think I need yeah. to keep pursuing that.
2: I So I joke, about, yeah. I joke about calling you an influencer, right? But I I yeah. do think that like, hearing you talk about the blog and the different stories that you've covered. And I I say it like that because it feels like we're, it feels like Benny and I are on the tonight show and we're interviewing a journalist on like as a Uh. guest right now, because you're kind of recounting a lot of what that journey was like. And so I am curious because you spend a lot of time on these platforms talking about the idea that you have or like these, these, these stories and the results of them and whatnot. But, I'm curious about how these impacted you as a person, like the backlash that you faced. Did you get any death threats or anything like that from, from any of this kind of stuff? Um, no, like Nothing? that's the
0: thing too. Like I have to be like, so the thing about it is like, you know, it's like, oh, you took this brave stand. Like you, you went after infiltration.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: That's not a brave stand to be clear. Like that, there is a lot of people that will say things, but for the most part, the people that could do something about it they all agree with me people who could direct the most backlash towards me, they'll agree with me. So it's not like I wasn't taking a stand by doing that. Now, did I get some trolls? Oh yeah. If you look at the infiltration blog, the first line is like terrible blog faggot. Why are you so fat? You know, all this, it's just name calling, name calling, all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, that sucks. But you know what? No one's, no one's going after my job. No one's trying to dox me, anything like that. So I never got any of that. Now I could, you know, if I'm honest, I am probably pretty lucky that I'm not like a woman, not trans person, any of these things that would probably cause that to go exponentially up. But I can honestly say that I don't think a lot of the positions I take are necessarily controversial. What they do is that they challenge what people's, the, like the mainstream kind of narrative about something. And it makes you want to think about it in a different way. And I'm not trying to, like, I don't want to be, I don't want to stick my thumb in necessarily people's eyes, but sometimes you just do, even though you agree with them. Like the thing about the infiltration thing where I just, I disagree with how Evo handled it. I like all the people involved. I think they, they honestly want to do a good job. I just don't think they did a very good job. So if I'm not honest about that, then I don't think I'm being a very good friend or whatever you want to call me, a friend, a confidant, a responsible person with a public platform, whatever you want to say. Sure. So my whole thing is like, I don't I don't necessarily feel the backlash. Like you said, when we'll, we'll I like talk about the infiltration thing, especially more recently, like in the past, like during the pandemic and stuff like that, I, I had more time to think as we all did sure. And you, you understand the weight of when you kind of are, you know, tearing down a person in public, um, in digital ink that you could Google anywhere. And when you get cited in like a Kotaku article about him, Mm -hmm. it's, you have to take the good and the bad. You have to understand that like, that's someone's life that you've probably personally contributed just harm where they're never going to get over this. Right. Like personally feel bad about it they can do quote-unquote the work or uh uh what do they call it be accountable or whatever it doesn't matter it it'll track it'll track them the rest of their life anytime infiltration's at a tournament and he wins first twitter thing is going to be like go fuck himself he's a wife he's never going to get over it he's never going to get over it so you you have to understand too that what you're contributing to and be okay with it, or at least try to like make the tone of your stuff, not so much towards like a outright condemnation of this person for life as exposing why the problem keeps happening over and over again. And I think a lot of times what it was is just institutions that we have not taking it very seriously and not doing a very yeah. good job and contributing to this sort of haphazard nature of like, Hey, it's okay to go after these people because they're, they're not, they're basically not people. So go ahead, have at it. And it's not good. It's not good. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's it's interesting seeing the the evolution of uh, you know I mentioned reviewing earlier, but you kind of have gone from criticizing it. it I, I I'm not trying to paint a negative light here, but it, a, lo- oh, of a lot of this yeah, is, is about criticism, right? So yes, you, originally your criticism was painted towards people that were being selfish and taking advantage of other players, like the mm-hmm. like tos and whatnot. Yeah. And then it started going towards people that were doing uh, morally incorrect things like, like, like the infiltration case. And mm-hmm. now you're at the yeah. point where you're actually going after companies and people that are going after, like, uh, that are screwing the consumer, so to speak, or like they're, they're throwing people under the bus for the sake of it, ch- cause they're chasing money. Right. And
0: chasing money or like just, you know, kind of any sort of cultural clout, or they have like, cause you know, it's very in vogue to be, have the moral high ground. I mean, yeah. the perfect example. Uh Evil Geniuses, when they brought on Chris G, that was like a year after his controversy or whatever, fully knew what he did. And they told him they were okay with it. And then they told him to move to Seattle. And then when a lot of stuff happened in 2020, where it was like, now the the more, you know, the, the better edge for you to get an advantage on your customers is to appeal to a very, you know, social justice e mindset. And that for EG meant, well, fuck Chris G. He's barely human. Let's just fire him. And it's like, dude, you guys were okay with it. And you told him it was fine. And then all of a sudden now it's like, he's a liability. It's like, you guys, that's not okay. Like, I don't agree with what Chris G said at all. I think it was bad, but at the same time, does this guy deserve to be like just completely after he was told it was okay to be fired for the job he was doing, he just moved for why that's not fair. That's not cool. Right, and yeah. so I think the problem was, I think I needed to learn how to balance out calling out both uh, the problems when they happen, but also the performative reactions to it that don't actually help. Because if you're not helping, then you're just making the problem worse. Yeah, and I think sometimes you kind of, when there's like a really polarizing subject, truth is the, the easiest, the hardest thing to do is to take the line where it's like, I don't agree with what they said, but I don't know if it crossed any of the rules that we have, so I can't say I can ban them. So right. It's hard. It's very hard because yeah. you have to listen to your customer base. And if your customer base, if if these tournaments are looking at every CPT post where Infiltration wins is like this deluge of how much they hate them and how much they want to ban all this stuff, they're going to feel the pressure, whether they admit it or not, to do something about it.
2: Yep. Yeah. And, and before probably- – Before the pressure was about the integrity of the tournament, but now the pressure is about, no, this is literally hurting your bottom line because you have all this negative vitriol in your comments and that's turning people away.
0: So they they feel the need to to act, but it's like, you can't just act. It's not just about acting. It's going to cause ripple waves across the whole thing. So with infiltration, here's a perfect example. When he's banned because he goes against their code of conduct and he's told only after he registers for the tournament and he's not told why, what exact rule he broke, what precedent have you set? You've just told this guy to go fuck himself, but like you haven't told any of us. How does this actually apply to the rest of us? Yeah. And we got to know if what do we what do we have to not do to not have this happen to us? Yeah, we, we don't know. I don't know what he's banned. I don't know. I don't know what he's banned. I can I can make uh, assumptions. but I don't actually know. So in that way, that doesn't help anybody. You haven't set a precedent. You haven't set. um Here's the line where you can go up to because I don't know what the line is. Yeah. I don't know what the line is. And if you well, don't know, then it's not helpful as a rule. Rules have to set the boundary. And you have not set a boundary. You set an invisible line that yourself that you could pat your back on and say you did a good thing, but you haven't made it clear for the rest of us who just want to participate and not have any troubles. And if someone is, let's say someone who has kind of a rougher past, you know, maybe it's a little shady now and again, but they just, you know, they, it was in the past. They don't want to talk about it anymore now it comes across that like oh there's a precedent that maybe possibly sort of that could matter yeah. but we don't know we don't know that's and the it, other
2: thing is that a lot of this comes at the height of of cancel culture and how that how that impacts our our world today outside of fighting games like cancel culture is a global thing right well
0: you know, yeah so it, it, what it is is it's a it's a lack of faith in institutions to do something about a cultural issue and so they take it to the internet and the problem with that is, It's not like that actually helps like this sort of like, I think I had a friend one time put it as like a sort of, uh, it's like a, it's rage that feels justified, but justified rage is the easiest to be wrong and the easiest to do the most harm. So it's like when you can justify what you say and what you do to somebody, that's the most dangerous because you're not going to feel bad about it afterwards.
2: That's when it though, the holy war, right?
0: <laughs> even though, yeah, you probably should. You should think about what you're doing and take it a little bit more seriously than barely a person anyways. I don't care what that happens to them. And it's like, well, you kind of have to care a little bit because I okay. think to me, the reason people lose faith in the institutions and stuff is all, also be, because they don't do, they get it wrong all the time, but because there's such a lack of human care in there that they don't feel that that actually speaks to them You you don't care about me. That's easy. The easiest thing in the world is to look at something and go, I mean, look at the Supreme Court. You don't care about me. You don't care about my rights, blah, blah, blah. It's easy to say that because look at how they've handled themselves. So when you have something where it's very clear they don't care about you or setting a precedent or trying to help people, it is about punishing the bad person. The punishment is the bad part. We always talk about how bad prisons are. We know they're bad. So let's stop punishing other people, like, let's stop hyper-focusing on the punishment, figure out how do we keep getting into these situations? How do we get ourselves out? How do we do the hard work, the very hard work that might not, and that might take a really long time, of changing how we operate and how we do things culturally to make sure that these things don't keep happening over and over and over again. There's a new controversy. Oh, someone did something. A lot of people knew about it. Nobody said anything. And then it keeps happening. And then you're like, well, how did this happen again? How could it happen? We 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 do the best thing. We, we say the right things. We ban people who are bad. We 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 speak out for everybody. We retweet all the right stuff. But it, 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 there's always going to be cracks because, like I said, the, the behavior doesn't change. It's just the you're you're not you're you're supporting one group, but you're not looking at it in a way that's really helpful for like I don't want to say governance, but like you're looking at a very <laughs> wide communal group, and you're deciding that just getting rid of one person is good enough. But it's like, first of all, it's 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 if you're not actually doing the due diligence of fixing of looking into something and like, OK, figuring out, OK, is this a problem where like this person did a bad thing and maybe they didn't realize it. And so they need to go away for a while to understand. And once they do, they'll take that time off. They'll come back. and If they do it again, they're gone for good. Or it's just scorched earth, number one, full on from the first day and never come back and fuck you and all this. It's, it's not good. It doesn't work. It doesn't work is the problem I have. Like it, it, I'm always very interested in solutions. Yeah. If I'm doing a poke in, in neutral and it's minus four and I keep getting punished for it, I would be an idiot if I kept doing it. So, you know, if that's the, re- the way I take it is like, it's a strategy that's not working, but yeah. we, we seem to keep wanting to do it. And I don't
1: know why
2: to my, yeah. my guess at that is that it's, it's the corporate mindset. It's the, it's the it doesn't have to be the right answer. it just has to be the answer that gets me the, the quickest amount of return. And yes. so I, when, yeah. when you have a lynch mob on the internet that's going after everybody going after people and then you know they're, all, they're already heated about the, the wide variety of issues that uh, are throughout the yeah. rest of the world like mm-hmm. <laughs> the are the, the quickest thing is to put gasoline on the fire and then point yes. it somewhere else because then it'll mm-hmm. travel somewhere else. Right.
0: right. Yeah. You want to get all the attention off you right? and say, this is what, like, so I, I don't, I don't know if corporate is the right mindset to say, I would say it's the transactional nature of how most people have relationships where it is only so good as what do you agree with me with? And if you don't, I don't want to know you anymore. So it's like, you get the, the feeling, the transactional part of it is like, you have to give me this feeling or else you're no good to me anymore.
2: And going back to that justified rage thing, though, the way you justify that transactional thing is when you're in the corporate environment and well, yeah, you're like, this I mean, is my job, I'm, like just, the, I'm just doing yeah, it, you know?
0: That's like the worst part of it, right? So like the Evo right. thing, the yeah. Evo thing is truly, that is a corporation that runs it, made a financial decision to invest in this stupid product that helps nobody, will be of no use, will be gone within a year or two, and we all know it. And the problem is anybody that we like, they can't do anything about it.
2: Do you want to talk a little bit about that more specifically so we so our viewers sure. can kind of kind of yeah. get through it? Yeah.
0: So, when I was at Evo, I noticed that I saw the Fresh Cut logo everywhere. Now, I knew of Fresh Cut because during the pandemic years when Evo was just an online tournament, they had partnered with this group. And I want to say it was called MetaView at the time and it was solely just an app where you could get clips of
3: Oh, okay, yeah, I heard games. of that. Yeah. yeah I didn't you know, could, know what
0: that was. Yeah, yeah. So, you could get clips of games of uh, specifically video games. And it was a short clips, just like YouTube shorts or TikTok or something TikTok,
3: like that. TikTok, yeah. TikTok. And the reason
0: I, I didn't think it was very good because I'm like, well, people can just find those clips on TikTok or Twitch or something. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to put it in it. So I didn't understand the point of the app to begin with. Yeah. But I remembered in the back of my mind, I remembered that they had pivoted. They changed their name. They pivoted to being what's called a Web3 product or company. Now, <laughs> you'll hear Web3 a lot. Now, it's, it's a lot of hokum, but to be clear, what it is, is it's a way of. Some people, some very wealthy people in Silicon Valley decided that we have been in a structure of webs that goes in threes. Web one, the unmitigated web of the ni- the early 90s, right message boards, all this stuff. Web two, social media invasions. We have Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all this stuff. Now we're in web three. What is web 3? I'm using this finger specifically. <laughs> <laughs> what is web three? Well, it's a way that you, the user, can take back you that the web two companies have stolen from you for all the time that you put on their website, all that time you use the engaging, learning, meeting new people, they take the value from it. So we're going to give the value back to you. Now, what did yeah. I just say?
1: That was say anything. I didn't say anything. That's
0: exactly right. So they keep saying, we're going to give you value back to the user. So the idea is that the social media programs, you spend all your time on them. Like Twitch and YouTube, especially as if you're a streamer and you get like a pittance in return, which I, I don't disagree with in a sense. It's, a, it's an agreeable thing to go by. Like you're like, yeah, I am not rewarded for all the time I spend shit posting on this website. That's true. And you know what? Twitch and YouTube are unfair in how, they, how long it takes to become an affiliate streamer and how long it takes to get like actual money from it. True. Compared to the time in. The problem is not... That you then have to find out a way, okay, how do we monetize just using this? Like how could your average YouTube person who views videos constantly, how could they monetize this? So then they go, oh, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to set up a decentralized autonomous community. And what that means is you're now a community that votes on what the website does in the future. And the way you have voting power is through a coin, cryptocurrency of some kind, that the more you have, the more power you have. Somehow this is more democratic. I don't know what democracy they've been studying, but somehow it's more democratic. I don't understand. (laughs) So the problem then becomes like, okay, so who in their right mind, like, okay, so cryptocurrency is a lot like stocks, right? It's like securities trading. How many people in your life do you know that do securities trading and like do it very seriously, study the ins and outs? You probably know like two or three people, even as an adult. So imagine who wants to do that for like, Everyday things like watching a video, watching a five second video, playing a video game. Who wants to enter into a a complicated financial transaction with a really strict risk reward calculus as to what you're going to get back? That's something that exists in like the Cokefield minds of like Patrick Bateman in the 80s. That doesn't exist to anybody that I know. (laughs) It doesn't speak to these people, but somehow, you know, when you have a lot of money, you can convince people that it makes sense. So what Fresh Cut is now is an app where it's the same kind of, in my opinion, pointless short clip gathering thing that pretty much relies on you having a YouTube or Twitch account that's kind of popular to begin with. Then what you do is for liking things and for creators, for sharing content, they get this coin called FCD coin. And the more they have of it, obviously, the more it, the less of it is on the market. That's the better, obviously. Scarcity drives when it's worth no, yeah, and a yeah, cryptocurrency yeah, yeah, can no, only yeah. be valuable when it's scarce. The reason why it's scarce is because it, it, there was a billion coins minted. Half of that was given to early
2: investors. Yep. That's how they made their money. Right.
0: Which is segued several ways away from the development of the app through the Cayman islands. I break it down in my article, but basically fresh cut as you know, it is actually like five or six shell companies where one is in the United States and actually makes the app. The others are all in the Cayman Islands, the British Virgin Islands, where there is no taxes, no tax laws. You can't get in trouble for trading what is basically an unregistered security because you're not in the United States. And then the coin is all, like half of it is in the safely given to private investors like Endeavor, who owns Evo through their company, RTS. RTS is a shell company of Endeavor. So Endeavor owns that. And then they own uh, a big stake in this Fresh Cut thing. Where they're promised a certain amount of coins after like a year or two. And so the whole thing is exists just to get the value of the coin up so the investors can make their money back on the investment by selling all the coin they get in like a year or two. Yep. So it doesn't matter that the app is bad or that it has no point or that it has buggy and it doesn't seem to work very well. It's that's literally not really just not
2: driving point. the currency.
0: That's yeah, that's really not the point. The point is the currency. Yeah. And the problem is it plays into like very basic gambling. Practice It's like if you're on there, you want to maximize. You want to min-max how to get the most coin because the coin's going to be valuable. So you've got – and if you're a streamer and you're trying to make ends meet, the whole point, the whole pitch of it is like you can make more money than you would with Twitch or YouTube. So you're going to game the system as much as possible, right, to get as much coin. So it feeds into like the worst of like gambling, and then it asks you to play the stock market. It's, it's, it's so yep. fraudulent. It's so this blatantly is- – unfair
2: this is something that happens with nfts as a whole is nfts that... are
0: the exact same thing right yeah so people... nfts are in the crypto mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the crypto umbrella and nfts are right underneath it
2: right where it... It, what they'll do is they'll they'll take the this mint they'll mint the tokens right and then they'll mm-hmm. they, they will uh deliberately sell them at higher prices to to their buddies and then drive the price up right uh, that's what happened
0: right the big the first big nft was what Beeple or whatever which was like digital art yeah. That guy talked it up and sold it for like 6 million or whatever. Yeah. Just he just said that. Like, oh, it's worth 6 million and then someone bought
2: it. Yep. And so, so now it is because someone bought yeah. it. That's the value of it. Yeah.
0: So the whole thing is now also because there's no regulation, these things get completely overboarded. Like open sea or whatever where the NFTs can go, it's absolutely flooded with NFTs. The market gets so saturated with this stuff because there's no way there is no like accounting for taste. Or accounting for if it's legitimate or not, it's just we need as many people possible. Then the other problem is it's all based on Ethereum, and the Ethereum cryptocurrency. The problem is the way it works is the fees for actually getting Ethereum go up when so many people are using it. Yeah. So you're not just paying the Ethereum price; you're paying the gas fees. Based <laughs> that's what they're called that go with it. So it's like hundreds of dollars sometimes just to make the transaction to begin with. Yep. So it's it's a. It, I always tell people in the article I said we we have the the SEC for a reason. The same thing happened in the 1920s but with actual stocks and people lost a lot of houses and we had this whole thing called the Great Depression. I don't know if you heard about that. And mm-hmm. it was based on people selling securities by buying them on credit and doing what are called Ponzi schemes, which is where people on the top make money and they make money by having people on the lower end invest in it. And that is exactly what cryptocurrency has become despite, you know, the lofty things people want it to be. They want it to be an alternative currency. They want it to be escape from like bank control and all this stuff. But the problem is it, it, when you don't have any regulations, all leaves all it stays are the thieves.
2: I, and I that's can what speak, we have. I can speak from a tech background too, is that throughout mm-hmm. the decades that I've been in the field, um, like, you know, apps, like startup companies early on were all about making apps. And yes. you, what you did is you started with some big idea that was aped from uh, one of the big guys like Google or Facebook. Everyone, mm-hmm. everyone said, I have an app, and the, the next big idea is going to be fa- it's going to be like Facebook but for X. And mm-hmm. what you do is you take that big slice and you narrow it down and you make it a like a, a, a more narrow audience. Justin TV did that. Justin TV was yes. like, uh, we're going to take our big audience and we're going we're to say we're going to be the streamers, but we're going to get killed by YouTube. So we're going to go and we're going to focus on gaming, and that's what yes. they did. And mm-hmm. so. A lot of times people are like, let's take social media experience and then, and then let, let's make it for Christian people, for cats, for, for, uh, uh, uh gamers. Yeah. And then that's, and then now, now it's the model has turned into, all right, well, we can't actually sustain, oh, we're going to, we're going to take that social media and then we're going to yeah. sell ads and we're going to do all that, that, that model, right? We're, like if, if the product is free, then you are the product. That's what a mentor of mine always told me. Mm-hmm. Um so LinkedIn's like that's so all the social media stuff. And then now it's like okay well we can take that and turn that into a smoke screen for I'm going to drive a currency up in the background. <laughs> yeah drive... of course
0: 100%. Yeah. So the problem then becomes like you just said the idea used to be you make a product that's make something that somebody wants. That yeah. used to be after the dot com bubble burst that was the thing right. So the problem yeah. then became you had things like Uber um and like WeWork which they don't make money it's something people want. It's just, they don't know how to make money off of it. It it only exists because of the stock market. Right. So then it was like, now the new thing is make something that like three people want, but make it so that everybody might seem like they want it. Yep. this. It's in no way like a, a natural growth of, you know, Oh, we moved on from social media to now you make money off social media, but it's like the make money part. It's just basic user engagement. With it From just turned user- back
2: into a cyclical thing where they went yeah. back to turn going to Ponzi schemes and pyramid schemes, which is really like went, let's we, we, let's have yeah. our faux, faux intellectual conversation about what value is and talk about yeah. gold again, right?
0: Yeah, well, it's like, It's like it's like being on the gold standard, and it's like well, we 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 abandoned the gold standard for a reason. Do you have a counter argument to that? And they're like. Yeah, it's, you can't, inflation is bad.
1: It's like, well, yeah, okay, great.
0: That's a good, you know, fine, but do you have an answer? I'm asking you, do you have an answer to that? And I think I notified in the blog too, like the problem with cryptocurrency is it comes from a very, very heavily ideologue background. And people who are ideologues don't always have the greatest ideas for like a mass culture. They have like the greatest ideas for like their circle, small circle of ideologues. So that's why Bitcoin doesn't work when, say, it's in El Salvador and it's one of the main currencies and it does it, it crashes the economy because that's it's not meant to scale up. It's not meant to go for scale. But somehow <laughs> Silicon Valley has convinced itself that the next big thing is to scale it up to the size of Twitter or Facebook, and it's yeah. obviously not going to work. And with the FTC specifically, we saw the only one we had before was the eSports ecosystem, which was Lapchi from Canada Cup. He did that. <laughs> it was very obviously a scam to make money for him. And he got a bunch of people to push it. And he changed Canada Cup to be at part of a convention center. And it was terrible. And everybody hated it. And then all of a sudden, the coin doesn't exist a year later because, oh, look, well, we made our money. We could and we're going to pull out now. It's like, yeah, of course. it's This is the exact same thing, except now it's like let's have a thing that's even more obscure than it's about crypto. Because like I said, a lot of people look at that ad and I don't think they understand it's for like a cryptocurrency.
2: No, not that at that's all. That's such a yeah, big part of it, right? Yeah. Because um,
0: you could technically use the app, but you don't have to engage with the crypto part. But the crypto part is what makes it work. Right. So that's you're the, gonna part, that's the
2: part that's driving them. Like that's that's driving development. The value? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> driving value. Yeah, I'm, my corporate, yeah. that's the other thing is like my, my corporate background is is uh, giving me What's some the PTSD value? here. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. And it's like, well, the value is nothing. The value is one in what you make it because your currency has no value other than what like, like if Bitcoin crashes tomorrow, which it could, Yeah. your coin's not going to have much value much longer. I'm telling you that much.
2: Yeah. Basically what drove it up the first time was, yeah. hey, look, I, uh, some ransomware happened and took a hospital hostage and suddenly Bitcoin is a thing, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: And then like, or the stable coin that you, cause you don't buy FCD. Like when you buy it on an exchange, you yeah. don't buy it with money. You exchange your money for a stable coin like Tether or whatever, and then you buy cryptocurrency. But when those stable coins go below a dollar, or when they ask you, "Hey, what's backing all that that stable coin you've got out there?" and they're like, "Well, I mean, look, man, it's a secret, and if we give it away, everyone's gonna find out." That doesn't give you a lot of confidence
2: that there's anything there, right? So it's like, no, but that's I, that's that's a Silicon Valley angel investor pitch,
0: 100, <laughs> and that's how it works, right? Yeah. That's exactly how it's an angel yeah. investor, which is what Endeavor angel investor to this
2: product yeah yep. so it's or, like they have to, to the layman it would be like you know when you want to like hey this this organization's giving away free disneyland tickets if you go and listen to a pitch for for a timeshare it's yeah, like exactly. timeshare yeah, yeah you are listening to the time. how can you make this 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 timeshare work for you yeah
0: how <laughs> yeah. do you get the, what's the value to you
2: so what's okay the, what is real quick pen worth yeah. I, I didn't expect to go on a tirade about NFTs, and I apologize to our viewers yeah, if no, I mean, offended it, anyone, but, but I it's will very say- very much our, on the mind, yeah. In our last 10 minutes here, I do want to ask you a little bit about the, the announcements that have happened in the past couple of days. So specifically, Tekken 8 and Street Fighter 6 have made some big announcements, Tekken 8 sure being have. that it exists, even. It exists, finally. And, Proof. I, I was curious about your yeah. reactions to that, and yours as well, Benny.
0: Right. Well, so I was live at Evo when they announced Tekken 8. And I say announced. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you were in the audience, you could hear the audience deflate. Yep, there was no announcement.
2: Yeah, we were now, all sad. Yep. Yeah. So my <laughs> my
0: honest thought is because Sony, you know, also owns Evo. My guess is they said we're going to be doing a showcase in a month or so. Can you hold off? It's Japanese developer focused for PS5 exclusives. Can you hold off? And they were probably yeah. like, yeah, sure. So they just wanted to show a little teaser, and I understand that, but it was a little deflating. Now, having said that, seeing the trailer, hey, it looks great. Yeah, obviously redone from the ground up no more of the tekken 7 engine which is the tekken 5 fucking engine um and they're trying it looks like they're trying to keep it pretty close to what it was before um and you know maybe harada won't lie about the rollback this time and maybe it'll actually have rollbacks so i'd be excited for that um i like tekken i like Tekken a lot i was um last tournament i entered uh at a local was for tekken 7 so i like tekken and i very much would like a new game to play tekken 7 pretty old now it's about eight years old or whatever so yeah. Ironically, Tekken 8, you know. And then, of <laughs> course, Street Fighter 6, Um, I think it looks great. I actually played it when I was at Evo. Yeah. Um, it, It's definitely a very chunky game, and yep. you can feel... One of the things I was critiqued about Street Fighter 4 was I hated the way, like, the jabs sounded. It yep. just sounds so, like,
2: lame. And you heard them but a the, lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, Street Fighter 6, they're super chunky, and because there's no priority system anymore, you're trading all the time. And the trades, actually, you notice it in the game they're so chunky right so it's like there is that feel of like it there's there's weight to it i think a lot of the ideas are really solid obviously i like mk11 so i like the idea of a meter that constantly refills over time and starts full i think yeah. that's a great idea i like the idea of a super meter just being there to be a super meter um the parry thing i think looks pretty cool i just i like a lot of the ideas i think the design obviously this is unlike street fighter 5 where it was like i don't Gotta know the, yeah. the 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 visual design philosophy wasn't really like anything special. Yeah, this one every main character's got a new costume. It's we're not going back to the same costume as before. Um, the the style of it is very very set in stone and unique. And they're definitely got a vibe they're going for. So I love it. I think Street Fighter Six looks really impressive with all the World Warrior characters. Even though I'm sick of seeing them now, just like everybody else, they still have something to do, something cool to look like. So I'm all for it. I love the Street Fighter Six announcement
3: today. Nice, nice. Benny, how are you feeling about about those two announcements? Uh, Tekken, I'm kind of like, I mean, I I thought the trailer looked really good. Uh, You know, um, I've played Tekken here and there pretty much from the beginning, and I'm really kind of interested to see if they're gonna do like really kind of change how it plays. I think we were kind of talking about that briefly in terms of like legacy, but I mean, I don't see it happening. I would love (laughs) for them to kind of do something different because like. Honestly, like you know, the same things that I was doing in Tekken, whatever one and two, like a lot of those same things are still, still you know, I could still do them now, right? Obviously, frame data, you know, other properties might have changed since then, but like, I mean, I don't know, I guess it's kind of a weird argument because, like, I guess you could say the same thing about any kind of fighting game, right? Like, you can still throw fireballs, but it's just like, I think, yeah, I mean, we talked about that too in terms of like Street Fighter, like every Street Fighter game is different, right? To me, like, every Tekken game that I've played, like. They pretty much all feel the same other than, like, the tag games, right? That's that. Okay. That's my personal opinion. Um, But that's just me. That's just... I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's kind of why my interest in Tekken kind of wanes all the time. It's like, you know, I get the initial kind of joy from, like, oh, this is new. You know, what can I do? And it's just like, oh, I'm kind of doing the same things as I was doing before. So I don't really... It doesn't really resonate with me.
1: Yeah, Street
3: Fighter I mean. Six, on the other hand, like yeah the the change with the the universal mechanics uh, the drive system all that stuff uh, i'm kind of excited to see how that's going to be um for me the the news today kind of came out of nowhere like i just was looking at twitter and i think it was nom uh, that was like saying something about the the information from capcom today you know might have saved them or you know makes up for our, a lot of stuff in the past and then i started of course i went to go look for it and i was like holy shit freaking honda and sim those are my yeah. My my mains from four and five. This is your announcement today, man. and, and yeah. I was just like, "This is what I've been right. looking for, right?" Like you know, the leaks. You know, I you know the leak roster was out there, but still, I'm looking forward to seeing how the, the the reveals are and the characters and the moves and stuff. And to be honest, like for me, Honda was a little underwhelming. Like I don't know. I think his face looks kind of weird, and then his move set is kind of like eh, that's okay. Sim, on the other hand, like when five came out and the beta came out, or I mean when they revealed Sim in five. Like, I didn't know who I was going to play, right? And then when they revealed him in 5, like, his look, his everything that he did, I was just, like, I was super hyped, and I was like, this is the guy I'm going to play. And a lot of, like, I think it was you, you know, Scott, everybody else was kind of like, really, you're going to play Sim? Yep. And, you know, in a, in a way, it, it worked out. I like, still like that, man. <laughs> I, I, had, I had a ton of fun playing him. And yeah. then, like, I kind of have the same feeling when I saw the trailer, when I saw his reveal for 6, because, like, you know, it's it's a lot of the same stuff that I... That I saw in five in terms of like you know the typical teleport mixups, but then like he's got like that downward fireball now. Then you saw like the the full screen stand roundhouse, and then the uh, was it the drive rush? I think is what it's called. The, like the cancel yeah. where he like you know was able to go in. And I'm yeah. just like, yo, I was just like, yeah, this is this is gonna be fun. So I'm pretty hyped for Sim Honda. I'm still gonna give an honest chance just because he's gonna be there from launch. But yeah, Sim for sure. Like yeah, he's I'm I'm pretty hyped for that. You know what, Benny?
2: I think that you have grown as a fighting game player, and you have realized that Honda is boring. We well, no, all no, knew that... from the get go that <laughs> Honda is boring.
3: <laughs> I, 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 well, I mean, I guess that's fair because Honda is like like that was one of the things I think Zayn even said when it came to like uh, in our little group chat in terms of like I'm going to take the Benny method and and learn try to learn a simpler character because that's always kind of been my thing, right? It's like I want to play somebody simple. Give me high HP, high health. Let me make all the like. Let me make a little bit more mistakes, and you know. Hey, I play, play a whole way. genre. I play NRS games because they're <laughs> <simple eight laughs> I'm not judging. I think that's great. Whereas, like you know, Sim is a much more complicated character for a lot of people. Like, and and you know, and like, they're just the basic meta is not the not the same, right? You don't have the normal jumps, right? You have a the floatiest jump in the whole game. Like, people don't want naturally played that kind of character. So, I mean, I guess maybe it speaks to my my growth as a player. Like me and Scott were kind of having this discussion the other day, and I think like, honestly, I think I'm a little bit more spoiled after playing Sim because like my normals go full screen, and I can pester people, and like I couldn't do that before. Like you know, I had to kind of had that grapp- grappler mentality where I had to like fight my way in, yep. whereas now I could just be like, I'm gonna stand over here and I'm gonna kick you, and what are you gonna do about it to get it? Right? It's completely
2: opposite. Completely
3: opposite. Exactly. Of yeah. So like play. it kinda yeah. opened my it opened my eyes to just I mean, like I said, maybe I think I think I'm just spoiled now from playing Sim, so I think that's maybe yeah. why maybe why I uh, gravitate towards him. That and he's always been a very polarizing character in terms of people like the people that play him love him, and then the people that have to play against him they just hate. absolutely hate you him. Yeah. yeah. I, I certainly think, do.
1: For,
0: yeah,
2: Sim to me looks Like, I I, he looks annoying to me already for that reason. It's the same (laughs) polarizing thing. Um, Blanca looks, Blanca and Honda in particular, I was really surprised at how they did them in the realistic style because they're not, they're monsters in a lot of ways. And Honda's not really a monster, but Blanca is. I mean,
0: (laughs) Honda is like has an eight pack and he's (laughs) like, he's a monster. He defies
2: human anatomy. Yeah, yeah. he definitely does. Um, uh, But the big thing is like the create a character mode that they announced too. It like, it's just ripped from monster hunter rise because it's It's yeah. all in the monster. It's, it's all in the re engine, right? So the, the character, like the actual menus and the different choices and stuff, like that's all from just re engine monster hunter rise. So what it feels like is that for street fighter five, it was a small team. that got their shit kicked in because of how poorly it was received. And then uh, Capcom was like, here's some money. Uh, take what you learned on Street Fighter V and make a good fighting ground game, and they made the fighting ground section, which which is the stuff we like—the versus game, the versus mode, the rank match, casual match, training mode, stuff like that. And then they said, "And we're going to drop the Monster Hunter team on 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 top of you, and you're going to swarm around you and build that World Tour mode." And if you look at it, the screenshots, it looks like when for Monster Hunter Rise they had Akuma uh, as a guest character, and they just took the model from from Street Fighter V and dropped it on the the model on i think sakura
0: too right and
2: sakura too and they look terrible and ryu too yeah no no not not ryu or maybe ryu i don't remember but they look terrible Um, right but it was street fighter characters guest starring in monster hunter this feels like that where the monster hunter characters they look like monster hunter characters but they're creative fighters but they're in street fighter and it's yeah it's weird looking
0: (laughs) it's definitely wacky but i think like i think clearly they put a lot of thought into it like it, it doesn't seem like it is just a copy paste job like yeah, I really yeah. did think about how you could you do a Street Fighter universe Monster Hunter game. And Monster Hunter is a very popular game. It makes yeah. total sense in a marketing sense to let's get something from a more popular game. And if our games have always had kind of a weak a single player offering, let's come up with something like this. People like that when we did Alpha 3 World Tour and stuff like that. People love that. Yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, it makes total sense. to me. There's
2: there's the ideas angle, but then there's also the implementation angle where it's like we can also just reuse this stuff. It was already built, and so we got oh, yeah. we got to retrofit it and stuff. But it, by and large, it seems mostly intact because they looks it looks so much like like the the camera angle looks like a Monster Hunter game. Yeah, it when looks... they showed a
0: close up of like what the faces look like, they're very realistically done. I'm like that is yeah. that is looks like from another game
1: entirely.
3: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think my biggest worry uh, cuz you linked me the the uh the PlayStation blog. Yeah. And I saw I noticed something in the in the terms of like the costumes. It said different gear affects your strength and stats. And like I know in Tekken I'm pretty sure like Tekken 7 it doesn't like it doesn't it doesn't do that at all. It's just strictly cosmetic, right? Like yeah. whatever whatever stuff you add to your characters. Yeah. Mostly, so when I yeah. when I when yeah, when I read the different strength and stats, it makes me think back to um soul caliber i think um i don't oh, know which one it was yeah because they, they did that was it two where they like let yeah you use like
0: soul caliber two plus through four had a lot of that customization stuff yeah. I, I to me it, injustice two has like the gear where you could use that in a different mode a gear only mode where you could use gear yeah. and have a bunch of wacky stat increases and stuff like that so yeah i've seen stuff like that
3: yeah, I think I don't know. I think that's my biggest worry because, like, I remember playing Soul Calibur two online and just seeing like the the weirdest kind of costume designs. Because it's like people had like these like hairy like leggings and like arms, and then they combined it with something else, and it was literally just for stat build up. So it's just like because I remember like not even noticing it until like somebody had two hundred percent health, right? Like I get rid of the life bar, I thought I won, and then I was like, I see another life bar, and I was just like. Hold on, why does he have 200% health? And it's like, oh, yeah. because he's got all this stupid stuff on. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: luckily, nowadays they will separate it out. Like, I know yeah, in MK11, yeah. yeah, ranked <laughs> is only, you can only do ranked, can only have regular stuff like it can't you can't do the the (laughs) wacky the wackiness
2: you know what i want to see because because now we're at the point where if they if those items augment the character or change the character in a certain way and in street fighter 6 they announced that you learn sure you can or spinning bird kick or hadoken from different characters um i want to see a roguelike Like a deck builder rogue like (laughs) Yeah, that'd be great. Where like you have a build now where where it's like, okay, I'm gonna take Dragon Punch and and Fireball and I'm gonna run through five or six levels and see how that fares. And then after that, I'm gonna swap out my fireball for a boom instead. And then like and then and then I I finish the run and then I'm gonna start over and I'm gonna try a different, completely different character with an S P D. And, and and like yeah. it, what it's it's so like it's fun for for the creative lab monsters that want to try new shit but it's also good for yeah. new fighting game players that are like i want to try a different archetype because it's a run as opposed to i'm picking this character for life you know uh, and, and you I, saw
0: in the trailer there looked like a part of it that looked more like final fight where it was like a side scrolling kind of view. Yeah. yeah and i yeah. wonder if like that's exactly right like you could do something like a mini final fight maybe like six seven levels or whatever and you run through it with like your build or whatever and you could swap it maybe you meet ryu halfway through or whatever and he can he can teach you new moves or whatever yeah and just keep doing it like that i could see that being very addictive for a lot of people
2: i don't know if they're going to do that but like yeah I the, I, the concept of like learning moves and then incorporating them into your character as a custom character like that it, like it, it leaves it lends itself to the concept of a build and that opens up all these different things for content creation for the community to experiment with for videos stuff like that look at
0: like elden ring right elden ring you yeah. know the the brilliantness of dark souls yeah. it's like a roguelike but it's also like your average action game so it's like yeah. you kind of get a mix of both people who yeah. love it and yeah. so yeah that's definitely uh multi multi-genre mixing is like the key to the game right without ever knowing it so yeah. yeah maybe they do do something like that that'd be cool
3: yeah i mean i I mean, we'll it see. I mean, I could definitely see them doing something like that at this point. Like, I mean, with the amount of content that they're putting out there, like, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that. So, I mean, <laughs> in the future, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Also, like, uh, we didn't even talk about the beta. They're announcing. They announced the beta. Yeah, I already signed up for it. October. Yep, That's it, next yeah. month, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe this game's coming out. Uh, it probably won't come out this year, but I bet it'll come out early. I'm, early. I'm
0: thinking early next year. I'm thinking February, uh, February, March. Yeah. that was my that was always my thought yeah yeah coming out soon i mean it definitely looks ready like it doesn't look like they're you know oh we're we're still kicking around the concept a little bit
2: like no it looks like they're ready to go yeah i agree i think this is all marketing at this point
0: oh yeah of course and i mean mk11 took that route right like it got announced and then in december and then i think already by it was ready to roll by like maybe early the next year like it got it rolling really quickly and they just wanted to market it all like Yep. oh slow reveals of stuff we already have put together and everything like that so yeah i think that's great the future fighting games looks really bright i mean i said that in my evo blog because i was emo about the event but the truth is you know we won the rollback war we did and any game that yep. comes out without it is just now everyone knows it's a loser yep and yep. so everyone wants it and then all the games look great so you have like kof 15 just came out they're gonna announce they announced a new garu mark of the wolves coming out yep tech at eight street fighter six uh guilty gear strive is doing incredible Fantastic. numbers for what yep. it is yeah so the future is extremely bright. Um, even game's legacy
2: games, out. legacy games are having resurgence. Time like of Showdown country. is getting rollback,
0: you know. Yeah. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters is getting rollback, yeah, rollback on, yeah. on next gen and PC.
2: But it's getting rollback, you know, so it's like yeah. it's great. Well, uh, the future is bright, and I'm excited to talk to you about the talk to you about the future someday. But unfortunately I think uh, we gotta call it here for we the We have day. gone pretty long. Yeah. We have gone long. Um yeah. but before we we head out here, do you have anything you'd like to promote, uh, King Hippo?
0: Um, you can just go to my you know my website, which is my blog. It is them'sfightingword, them'sfightingwordsblog.wordpress.com. Pay my forty nine dollars a year, or whatever, to own that URL. So I'm gonna use it, and that is where I blog. And I usually post on Twitter, so my Twitter is at King Hippo forty two. And anytime I have an update to the blog, it automatically tweets the article out. So um, you can follow me there for updates. Um, I don't tweet as often as I used to because, again, that's all part of the process of learning how to wean yourself out of bad habits. But still get on there every now and again to talk about things. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, that's really all I got. You know, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. It seems to be picking up. A lot of stuff seems to be kicking into high gear and you know i've been working with them uh with uh that that blasted salami on youtube we made a yeah. video a youtube video not too long ago turned out really good um i've just been sidetracked with doing other stuff but i'd like to keep doing that too so hopefully that picks up but uh yeah like i said looks really good everything looks uh, i'm excited for
2: what's to come pretty soon me too man i Ooh. think you're gonna be our, our our own investigative journalist in the ftc so <laughs> well cool.
0: you know I think a lot of people take up that mantle, but the problem is it's like you, you, you get in your head too much about it. And like, you really feel like you have to answer to a lot of people. And it's like, you just got to be true to yourself. You know, what feels right to you? Don't put labels on it. Just do what you do. And yeah, people like it. And if people like it, they'll keep reading. And you know, yeah, I think it'll work out great.
3: Yeah. yeah, I just want to say thank you. Thanks again for, for joining us and taking the time, um, for everybody that's, uh, tuning in, uh, we'll be live again next Thursday um our guest next week is going to be ninja nam uh oh, marvel it. player yeah. uh, commentator he's been around uh various events uh ceo um i want to say combo breaker some other events uh where he's been at uh, but yeah we're going to talk to nam next week uh and as always uh yeah when we go live you can find us at twitch.tv slash spiral series you can find the vod at youtube.com slash spiral series and then when it gets posted on the Uh, The podcast you can look at those on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify under Absolute Guard. Nice.
0: Thanks
3: again, Tanner. Good to see you again, John. Problem. Thanks everybody for listening. All right.
2: You guys. See you later. Bye. Bye.